All right, friends, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fake Nerds Watch, where we're talking about the greatest show of the year, I think. And I'm so excited to be here to talk with you guys about episodes four through six. Uh, we're talking about Aldani, we're talking about The Axe Forgets, and we're talking about The Eye. I'm pumped. I'm here with Ryan James Eliopoulos and Brandon T. McClure and Ben Magnet. This is going to be great, guys. Did we go to a Jedi temple with a time traveling machine or don't, what? Don't tell him. Let's just move on. What? Screw you. <laughs> anyway, the eye, great episode of television. Am I right? Yeah, am I right? really yeah, like guys, it. Like, I'm so hype about their whole mission. That was incredible. It was. Well, that it was. was. A, that's a four week old joke at this point. <laughs> has it been that? Has it? Has it been so long, right? <laughs> no, what are the episodes we're actually talking about? The four through six, right? No. Uh, Buddy, we got seven, a whole no. arc. We're seven arc through ten. We're an arch system trooper right now. No, I missed that discussion. We're doing seven through ten. We're doing announcement, Narkina five, nobody's listening, and one way out. We are <coughs> we are four podcasters about to talk about four episodes about the fourth live action Star Wars show. And there's only one way out. It's this discussion. Ooh. Is this the fourth star live action Star Wars show? I said it, so it has to be true. It's not the fourth season, but it is the fourth live action. Show. Wait, okay, yeah. let's Mando, Obi, Boba. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. He, don't lie. he don't lie about numbers. We did it. There we go. Yo, Andor's back. Not that it went anywhere, but I'm glad to have you here, Sparks. I'm glad to be here. I'm sad I missed the last one. Um, I am Boo Boo the Fool. It's okay. But, uh, <laughs> you still watched it. Life happens. You still watched it, and I'm assuming yeah. you enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm really sad I didn't get to say anything about it, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You want to uh, say I'm, good things about those episodes now? Yeah. Uh, uh, they are exceptional. Um, to me, it truly defined those three episodes are like, here's an Andor movie. Enjoy. <laughs> and then, like, you just have an Andor movie. And, like, all of these can be little Andor movies. Um, I'm, I'm so, I'm so thrilled with the fact that, uh, I'll say it in relation to, like, where we are now, the fact that they're willing to totally shift things up um in these arcs that you know like uh uh we have a more steady through line of like what's going on with the empire and what's going on with coruscant with those characters but andor will go different places and different things will be happening um this is not the trajectory i would have anticipated for how the character gets involved with the rebellion um i'm so glad it's this it's this complicated and this rich you would assume at the end of the eye, that it would be, and now he's part of the he's part of the team, yeah, part of the crew, part of the ship. I think we all, but did that's it, yeah. but that's not what happened. He takes off and he gets, uh, he goes just away. He just tries to leave. He tries to take his mom, yeah, and she doesn't want to go. We're gonna talk about that because that's in the first episode of what we're talking about. But like, what what a what a wonderful uh, edge away from the the typical story of how someone joins the rebellion in, in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I and, talked and, about it in, I talked about in the last the 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 last episode, but like what I really appreciate about this era of Star Wars, the shows that we were getting in it, um, is how is how they all kind of detail different paths to the rebellion. We know that in Rogue One, that is when all those paths coalesce and become the Rebel Alliance that we are familiar with. But we get the we get 
the implication in that movie that they were desperate factions, disparate factions uh, that were barely communicating, barely getting along, and they didn't know, and they didn't even know if they wanted to be an all all out war. And we're seeing an Andor kind of the behind the scenes of all of that. But we also see in the Bad Batch, in Rebels, and even Obi Wan with the Path. Like we see all the different places that rebellion is happening, and in Andor we get a different, another side of it. And I think that's really cool that they're willing to explore these these different sides of what rebellion could mean to different factions and different people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ben, were you about to say something? Oh no, I wasn't going to say anything. I was just listening and agreeing, but. He's absolutely right, because at the end of the eye, you would think that Andor would be like, cool, I'm part of the Rebellion now. But he's like, no, nah, I just want to F off to uh, a beautiful beach planet and just enjoy my life and enjoy the credits I have. Maybe not the beach planet he's about to go to. <laughs> maybe not yeah. that one. <laughs> not that one. one. Not that one. Maybe she, was, but... uh, maybe she was, I don't know, Scarif? Scarif's a nice place to, to die. Totally. To live out the yeah, rest yeah, of yeah. your life. Yeah, yeah, five years later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, This show just constantly keeps surprising me about, I mean, this batch of episodes, as much as I was intrigued with Andor's story, I was also intrigued with Mon Mothma. I was also curious about Bix and V and um, Luthen and all all the different storylines that are being told at the same time. It truly does give you, the one I love about the show the most is that it constantly gives you a new perspective on the Star Wars universe. It constantly gives you like the street level, real day I hate to say it, but adult version of Star Wars where it's like, hey, I mean, yes, we have the movies and television shows where it's like, oh, the Empire is bad. That's why we need to fight back. And this one's like, no, the Empire really sucks. We joke about them being space Nazis. They're space Nazis for a freaking reason. Yeah. Andor was literally just walking down the street. He gets picked up by a sand trooper and he just starts getting is like, no, you're part of that. And there's a dude, I'm just going to the store. How messed up? How messed up is it that he, I mean, he is wanted by the by the empire but nobody knows that that's why he that he didn't get picked up for that reason he got picked up because someone just he profiled him and yeah. like that it's so <laughs> it's it's such a it's such a wild way to tell that story because like the empire has the person they're looking for they don't know it because he's under a false name oh, and no. he got picked up because of profiling and so like it, it brings it 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 doesn't feel forced to bring a real world political issue into the star Wars universe mm. in that way. It feels very natural. It feels very much like this is the next part of Cassian Andor's story, unfortunately, yeah. but yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, the thing, the thing that this show is doing that honestly, none of the other shows, even rebels was a show is about the rebellion. It shows the depths that the rebellion will go to in. The, the rebels have always been the heroes of Star Wars. When you watch A New Hope, they're not they're not terrorists. They're not doing what Andor's doing. They're heroes with lightsabers and Princess Leia. The rebels are the heroes. Rebellions are not built on just heroes. They're built on spies and they're built on shady shit. And the thing about the thing about Star Wars is like the things that they're dealing with are mature, but they're not dealing it with it in a mature way. Which is again, it's not a negative on the first forty years of Star Wars, right? It's just the way they've been telling stories for a younger audience. You're telling a, a story about war. You're telling a story about how people <laughs> become subjugated by fascists. And it, at some point in the history of Star Wars, you've got to tell the real story of what rebellion's really about. And this is not just the perfect time, but like the 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 optimal time to tell it, not just because of Star Wars and Rogue One, but real world politics too. It is a perfect crescendo 
of like the show we've always wanted with the show that the sh that that the world needs to it's like it's incredible like how just like it feels like a real show dealing with real politics but it is based in star wars and it's the thing again brandon i know we've talked about this for years now we worked at earth two years ago how why can't we just get a politics show about people talking in a room that's what the show is it's literally it you have no idea how thrilled i am yeah. and some of the some of the best scenes in this show are just two people talking in a room mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh i think i think bridging off of the point you were just making um what i think is is so excellent about it is like because it is it is pre really the rebellion it is the beginning of the rebellion, mm -hmm. but it's it's essentially pre it being a thing where people are like, well, I want to go join the rebellion. Yeah. Um, people don't think there's that not a yet. name to there's, it. There's mm -hmm. there's not a there's not a known quantity of there are people who disagree with the empire. I could go work with them. I could go. But they're all they're the all cause. different. There's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of different factions. But like, what's going on is you know them having to. You're getting the like later down the road our characters and rebels our characters like luke and leia and han get to be heroic for the things they do because they get to be out at the front lines knowing like we're the good guys those are the bad guys here we are stepping up to do the thing and we can do it directly yeah but before all that the way that it all happens is you have to get uh Ugly. you have to get enough funding to and attention to get people to recognize there should be a rebellion and everything to do that has to be played dirty yeah, you, you know that's a. You also bring up a really good a really good point that this series builds to Rogue One uh, in this way because Cassian in Rogue One is very much the is very much the the down and dirty kind of rebellion uh, op operative. He's he's murdering people the, when he meets them. He's um, very he's very much like the the rebellion that the the person the rebellion needs at this time in, in Andor's mm -hmm. time, and it's it's Jin. Who you know? It's Mon Mothma who's trying to kind of rally them around one cause, but it's Jin who says, you know, at the end of the day, rebellions are built on hope. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the that's the that's the main selling point of the line. So it's we're we're seeing is is the kind of like down and dirty grittiness before we get to Rogue One, which is the turning point. It's the turning mm -hmm. point for the rebellion when it when it switched from being we're fighting a dirty war to we're fighting a, a righteous war. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because yeah. because yeah. there was a blatant thing that everybody could look at and say the Death Star is bad. Yeah. They blew up an important planet and the Death Star is bad. And so but but I think what it does such a good job of is like Rogue One made it so that like when you watch a new hope now you're like uh when they mention like oh the people who died to get us this information like you feel that you're like oh man many yeah, like, like, died. like like you really feel like the weight of that. But now you can go all the way back to here and you can go all the way back and incorporate all the pieces that came along the way like rebels and all that and say like everything that ha is happening here everything that luthan and mon mothma are doing and and cassian is taking part in and all these other smaller players are taking part in even the the even like you know kino and uh and melshi uh over in the prison all of these things are part of what gets us to being able to be at the place to destroy the death bar like all of this is the road that makes that possible. All of these lives are the lives oh that God, are responsible yeah. for leading to the downfall of the empire. It makes it so it's not just Luke. Like Luke yeah. is the person who blew up the Death Star, but Luke is only there because of everybody up to this it's, point. It's it's that is a brilliant point because like again the the, the Ring of Earth, the, the best podcast to listen to, that's not us. Uh, they bring up a good point of like the reb the rebellion is not just Mon Mothma. It's not just you know Loy. It's those 200 prisoners who was killed on, on floor two that made that rebellion happen in the prison. 
it is every person that we do not see on screen that slowly leads to it is it is it is building blocks of dead people to get to the point that we need to be, which is a really sad thing to think about. But it is true that rebellions are built not just on hope, but also on the backs of dead people. Mm-hmm. And like we we have to keep making progress no matter how how sad it is, whether it's leading a rebellion in a prison or Mon Motha selling your child off to a, to a criminal. Not, and not- everyone has to <coughs> suffer to, to do what you need to do in this <coughs> war. And that is the thing that the show does so brilliantly is like everybody, everybody has to give up something, whether you're good or bad. Uh, and like Mon Mothma, like this episode has such a small scene in the last episode, but it's so powerful because right. like what she has, she has, she has like old school power and it like, how do criminals deal with that? Well, they take that old school power. Like you don't like it is everyone is in their own prison in different ways. And I love it. And it's just uh, uh, every, every episode of the show just surprises me of how, how, how much, how layered it is and how this is the biggest onion Disney will ever give us ever, mm-hmm. I think. And, and not to get like too far ahead to the end, because I do want us to talk about the episodes in, in more detail, but Luthen's monologue at the end of where we're talking about here, his, his last monologue there, uh, where he's talking about like, I do everything I do knowing I'm damned and I'm creating a sunrise I'll never see. Yeah, um, I my dreams of ghosts. Yes, Bro. I share my dreams with ghosts. Give me yeah. a break. That, like that, is, that is the encapsulation of him speaking what we're talking about, which is like knowing these people who fundamentally have to believe not only like, that one day it'll be better, but it'll be better because I have to do things that I'm not proud of and I'm not happy about in order to make sure that it can be better yeah. so that I can believe in the future. Like it, it's truly the amount of like, you know, it constantly like what we're talking about in our, in our spectrum in the States is right now the idea of um, abolishing college tuition. Right. And there's all the people who are against it, which is like very much like this. I went through it. You should go through it too idea. Yep. Not being able to take the like, no, I want better for other people and the future generations. And that is him. That is Luthen saying, I will do something that hurts my soul yeah. and damages me as a person and is hard and sucks. And I'll know I'm giving up people's lives because I believe in the lives that can be saved down the road. The greater good. Right. But, you know, I was going to, I was also going to say like, that's kind of what also Saul represents, right? Like Saul represents the kind of down and dirty uh, rebellion leader that nobody wants to work with by the end of, by the end of this story, by the end of this journey, people are really, Right now, people are happy to work with Saw. Saw is the person they need. Luthen is doing business with Saw, but by the by, where we get to Rogue One, that's what's so important about Saw's death, is because talking about that transition that I was talking about earlier, Saw's death represents that transition from the dirty war to the righteous war. But but even more than that, like Luthen is the in between of Mon Mothma and Saw, mm-hmm. right? Because because what he's doing is Access. he's 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 fighting the Empire directly, overtly. And with everything in in his pockets where he can, and he doesn't he doesn't believe in putting his people out unnecessarily. He just believes in having the numbers for the fights he wants to have. Right. Um, sorry about the puppy. If you hear her, um, okay. uh, that's what he believes in. And Luthen does believe in giving up lives and taking the fight to them, but it has to be calculated. It has to have the biggest possible impact. If you're sacrificing people, the biggest possible benefit. And Saul is not being that calculating. Saul just wants to hurt the empire. He doesn't see the bigger picture. He doesn't, he doesn't see the bigger picture of building. Nope. No, none of these, none of these factions see the bigger picture yet. Besides Luthen. Luthen's the only one who realizes we need to band together or all this will be for nothing. That's a really, that's a really good, that's a really good parallel to, again, look, I really like morsels. I really like it when you, when you can, when you can like give me some morsels of like interconnectivity, thematic interconnectivity is something that I'm really into. And the thematic interconnectivity of, of, and or to rebels, is really interesting to me because what we're seeing with Luthen, he's, you know, he's keeping everyone kind of apart. 
he hasn't really there's not really a, a co there's not really a concerted effort to bring all the rebel factions together yet it's, and it's Luthen, a slow effort and Luthen, like nobody <laughs> really nobody really knows how big this rebellion is except for maybe Luthen. and and so you kind of have this this kind of like parallel to what rebels was doing like rebels and when when they start to build into the rebellion at first it's just Hera sending being like hey we're going to go do this mission for a friend and then it starts to be revealed oh actually we're doing this for for Jimmy Smith's uh actually we're doing this for Bail Organa actually we're doing this for Fulcrum actually we're doing this for Mon Mothma actually we're doing this for a rebellion Fulcrum Fulcrum and Axis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I agree completely. And I think that's what's so, that was what was so, like, again, the show's just willing to zig where, like, from a writing standpoint, it feels like a lot of the Disney Plus shows, specifically Star Wars shows up to this point, um, the live action ones, have been less like they'll zig and zag away from what you expect. Yeah. And, like, for example, when Luthen goes to see Saul Guerrero, you expect him to say like got the funding let's let's you know let's get the party together let's get it going did you do it but instead he's playing this game of he's like i'm not going to admit i have that money yeah because you need to be a team player he i'll give you those resources you need to get on board and i'm not going to tell you i have them until you're on board because i can't trust you Luthen is so smart. Up again, like the most recent episode, Luthen's not telling anybody he was involved in Aldani. Mm-hmm. That is so smart. Despite it happening, like despite him being on like the highest he's ever been for doing a win, he cannot let anyone know that he has any actual any part of it. He is so smart. He's such a smart dude. Oh. The only thing he wants is to get Cassian. He needs to. He needs to cut off that. Ha- cut off that. Uh, that Lucent. tie. That Which, it was Cinta's ready to kill him at any moment. <laughs> She's outside his mom's house every single day. Which is like long term, you know. I I think that what will come around is is he only wants to kill him because he's not on the team, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. If yeah. Andor changes his mind, if he meets Andor again post the prison, post leaving having to leave Kino behind, all this kind of stuff, Cassian slowly being changed more and more to want to take part in the fight. Yeah. Luthen won't want him dead anymore because he's part of the fight. Yeah. But oh you have god. to believe in the cause. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I just thought I just realized why how brilliant the I it just the prison arc just clicked for me. There are more of them, there are more of us than there are of them. And once they realize that they'll be scared. Oh my god. That's the rebellion. This show's so good. This show's so good. I'm sure you noticed that the prison is shaped like the Imperial Crest. Oh yeah, 100 percent out of it. So like it's so uh, what was I'm so mad at Obi Wan. The more I watch the show, because <laughs> I'm like, y'all had one chance, and yeah, that end scene with Vader's great. Yeah, sure, but like, oh come on, Andor, what's going on here? It's so good. I mean, but this show has. I don't like pitting shows against each other, but there is such a really there is such a really stark contrast moving from Obi Wan to Andor, and quite frankly, it was a mistake. Um, but putting Obi-Wan anywhere around Andor was a mistake. Let's let's be fair. Like, even beyond the Star Wars, like, let's... Disney Plus shows in general, no show has been like this. The no. Small, no show has been this yeah. committed to, yeah. to every thought of every frame of every moment and making every piece of it all speak in unison thematically and truly clearly tell a story and a vision in a way that films do yeah and like epic television shows do 
None of them have met that standard. It's not none of them. It's HBO. Like I like a lot of the Disney Plus shows, but none of them have lived up to this level. Yeah, I would say Mandalorian got close in a few instances, but every time I'm watching Andor, it just blows Mandalorian. Up. See, here's the thing: I would I agree with you with the first season, and like I said, yeah. like I said, I was not as hot as on the second season as a lot of people were. A lot of people really liked the second season. I yeah. did not. I thought the second season was fine, too, too good. I do think the first season of Andor is really uh, not Andor uh, of Mandalorian is really good, and I still remember it being very good, but. And also, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you that Mandalorian season one did get close because it did feel like we were kind of back in that in that Star Wars world, but something happened with Mandalorian, and I'm not quite sure what it was, story wise, production wise, whatever it was, but there is just something so very different about Andor's approach to storytelling. I mean, someone someone. Re- really reductively put put this put this well, and I, and I and I will acknowledge that as a really reductive way of looking at a lot of things. But it it's it's pretty much spot on that when a lot of people are approached with Star Wars shows, when John Favreau specifically is approached with a Star Wars show, he wants to do. I want to play with my action figures. I want to yeah. be able to play with my action figures. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, Star Wars is an action figure for driven franchise. It is. It's it's built on it's built on on a, a merchandise. Yeah, but the way Tony Gilroy approached Star Wars was as a political drama, and no one has ever approached Star Wars like that. Well, maybe not no one, but like yeah. there is, there's very few people have. Uh, to, I just to your point, I think you're totally right about that. I think Mandalorian is at a disadvantage to ever be on Andor's level because its main character can't speak, uh, can't show his face most of the time. Mm. That's that's not a huge knock, but a lot of the the depth of something that's happening in a scene relies on who's the side player in the story. I think Grogu Mandalorian. And and Grogu's a little bit of a crutch. Yeah. Um yeah. and and as long as those two things are existing, like it kind of can't go where Andor goes because Andor is about all these interpersonal relationships. And it's very like the other thing is that Andor is the first one that feels like a real television show. Um it it feels like it has maximized its entire time span to say every character is going to be explored. All of these relationships and all of these threads are going to be laid out in full. You're not going to feel like you're missing beats. You're not going to feel like you're being left out of the loop on something. Yeah. You are being given all of this wonderful material. Mandalorian. Like I really like Mandalorian seasons one and two, but like Mandalorian is really good. Like blockbuster filmmaking. That doesn't always mean that blockbuster filmmaking has a lot of depth. It just means it's really entertaining. Right. Yeah. And I guess, not a negative not everything has to be andor i don't want everything to be andor because that'd be soul crushing right but the fact that it took this long to even like for them to even try something like this it's just it's like it could have been done like it's not even so even so like i do want to i do want to bounce back of like even so if this were the first show out out the gate like mandalorian wasn't and this was oh oh, the bar would be set far too high (laughs) we wouldn't accept anything else it's true yeah it's true it's it's unfortunate like because it's part of the conversation we're having at this moment like it's unfortunate that book of boba fett and obi-wan kenobi regardless of how i might feel about them they left enough bad tastes and mouths that people aren't coming out for andor yeah like they just aren't and it like it shouldn't be that way like those things shouldn't have like thudded that hard that Andor can't I have find a, a, a big enough audience which yeah, really I have a friend I have a friend, <laughs> I, have, I have a friend very good friend love this man to death he he I asked him it's like are you watching Andor 
And he said, no, I have no interest in that because I don't, I didn't really like Rogue One. I don't really care about Cassian Andor and I didn't like Obi-Wan. And like that, all of that is fair. Yeah. But you are missing the best Star Wars show ever made. Yeah. It is such a bummer because like, I know we have a similar, we have a similar journalist we really like online. She's like, I'm not watching the Star, I'm not watching the Laser Sword show. And everyone's like, it's, this is, I know people keep saying this, but this is the one. Like, there are no laser shows. There's no laser swords. This is a, just a TV show. Yeah. But people are so burnt. Even Mandalorian, even though we like Mandalorian, there are people who don't like Mandalorian because it's not different enough for them. And I get that. Like, it is a shame that this has lower lower audience reception than Tales of the Jedi, which just came out. People, Ugh, more yeah. people are watching that show than watching Andor. And Andor is almost done. And I'm like, man... I'm not worried about them critically or season two or anything because we're getting that second season. But like, people gotta watch this if we want I, more of this stuff. I am yeah. confident we're still gonna get season two. No, yeah, yeah. Matter. I just mean more like, so like but but I hear you. I am confident that we're going to see a surge once season one is finished. I, I think so. there are people who are going to decide. All right, I'll do it once now it's that over. it's all out, or something will happen with the last episode or episodes mm -hmm. that will generate enough internet conversation that people are like, all right, I gotta check that out. I will say that like, it's not a dig. And it, it, I don't think it's a negative. It is just a fact. Andor does have a little bit of a hurdle to get into because I don't think you can just get into it with episode one. I think you do have to watch the full first. I thing. agree. I think the first episode is is not the best onboarding one. Yeah. Uh, I was I was even talking with my girlfriend last night and I was telling her, I was like, hey, Andor is really, really good. She's like, really? Because I saw the first episode. I was like, just keep going. Just yeah. keep going. Trust me, it gets so much better. You have to you have to watch the whole arc. I am very glad that they at least did know that and dropped the first three when the show started because that was very much, they knew what, what was going on. They knew like, no, you need the whole arc to get what this show is. You can't just do a single episode. Unfortunately, that does make onboarding onto the show very difficult for people, especially who, people who are already, already burnt. Uh, burnt out on Disney Plus shows or Star Wars shows. Yeah. Ben, you've been trying to say something for a while. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say that it's to me, it still amazes me how the best Star Wars show is a show that all of us were kind of like, eh, when we first heard about it when it was coming out. It's like, really? That one side character from that really good Rogue One movie? I don't and know. And they announced it, and they announced it so long ago, and it took so long to make. We were all kind of like, what's going on with this thing? Yeah. Right. Now it's like, never mind. I'm happy. I'm good. Take, last show. take all the time in the world. Um, yeah. Daredevil is going to be a 10 month shoot in New York. Take your time, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, ben, you bring up an excellent point because like um, it is the thing I was thinking about when I'm talking about at Andor with its arcs and him ending up in the prison and all this kind of stuff has not been what I've expected. The show I feared or anticipated when they announced Andor is just Diego Luna and K2SO doing rebel adventures just, just you know, rebels, but with them, essentially. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. I just think we need more. This is more. This is this is not at all the show I expected it would be. Um, I I I would have assumed after episode three that Diego was just part that Cassian, sorry, Diego Luna Cassian was just part of the rebellion. Yeah. And I'm wrong. Yep. And I'm very pleased to be wrong that it's so much more complex because we are getting so much more richness from what's happening in the world of Star Wars at this time. Yeah. After um, uh, episode, uh, is it uh, the beach? The beach one is it episode seven? seven? Yeah. So episode, yeah. Um, uh, uh, he meets a K2SO robot, right? And any other show would have been, oh, this is where he meets that robot, and now this is where they become friends. No. He gets almost strangled by K2 by a K2SO robot, and then you don't see him again. Now he has him in his mind. He hates these robots. 
right? So now we're gonna have an even better arc when he does eventually meet K2SO. And I'm like, man, they're just like, they're not taking any easy route at all. Like all these character arcs are taking such a long time and it's so well earned. Like when K2SO finally does show up, it's gonna feel earned instead of like, oh, there he is. Of course he shows up. It's a right in our show. Yeah. Like, I love it. I can legitimately see a world because we know that season two will have time jumps and a lot of time jumps. Um, they've told they've told us this. I want I could see a world where we do a time jump and he's just got K two S O. So we don't see them meet. It's just yeah. it's, and like I'm okay with that personally. Like I don't need to see the origin of K two S O. There's a comic yeah. book if you want if you want that. But like this level of storytelling, and then we jump a year later. We have we have a really good arc in season two. Jump a year later, K two S O is there. In that time, he met K two S O. Cool. It might not. It might not be how they met, but it might be the first time that they go on mission together. Yeah. And how he learns to trust. Him. That's. I think that's important. And, and yeah. I think that that is more maybe the key because he almost gets killed by one of those guys. It can't just be baby. Because like because like how he meets him might just be like you know he's reprogrammed and then yeah and then he's just there and they yeah. say like yeah use the droid. Um, I I, I really do want to get into the episodes, but I do want to say real quick like this is not a show where I have found myself like desiring cameos we we've all kind of been in the place where we're like please don't rely on that crutch kind of thing yeah. um having melshi show up was wonderful what a what a brilliant cameo i want more cameos like that but i did think and i told ryan about it i did think of one melshi's in rogue one. Oh my god oh, oh yeah melshi melshi who's running with andor at the end of episode 10 he's in rogue one yeah oh you're right <laughs> andor shouts nobody's listening he says that to he says that to Jin in rogue one as well that's right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah. So, um, it's good chat. Uh, cameos like that are wonderful. I hope we get more of them. Um, but there is one that I thought of while I was with Ryan that I want to bring to you guys that I'm like, I, I would love it. I would love it. I think it would be great. Uh, Mom Mothma looking for like a kind of rallying of, of people to hush, hush, be supportive uh, of the cause. I would love a single scene Terrence Stamp cameo as the former chancellor. Oh shit! What's that old one after he got deposed? Who knows? Oh shit! Chance As like a, a face to get people on board for representing the Republic before. Yeah, I'm actually really surprised we haven't seen Jimmy Smith at this point. I'm glad they've held him back. I think, I think he's part a, of that is the Obi Wan thing. I they wanted to <laughs> they wanted to stay away from that. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if if part of either the end of season one or the beginning of season two is him and Mon Mothma really connecting for the first time. We, yeah. We, we know there is a year time jump into season two and we know they're going to Yavin. So I assume, I assume all, I assume season two is going to also be more cameo heavy, but in a good way that we want. Cause again, the rebellion is coming together. Like characters are going to meet. Um, so I fully expect Mr. Smith's Bail Organa to show up much more in season two. And the that. thing, the thing about like, the thing about like cameo driven things is like it's gotta make it's it's gotta it's gotta make sense in the service of the story. Like I think, for example, uh, Tamar Morrison as the as the 501st clone trooper in Obi Wan, that's a good cameo that serves the story. That was interesting. I really liked that. Yeah. In this, people like Hera, Admiratus. Now I really want Terrence Stamp. All of a sudden, thanks. Uh, <laughs> Saul Guerrera, um, Jimmy Smith, those people, they make sense to show up in the show. They are around this area. They are working with the Rebellion. They know Cassie and Andor. We know this from Rogue One. So seeing those characters show up, when we do go to Yavin, when we do when we do our time jumps in Season 2, when we are building to Rogue One, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I can see how those could serve as a story. And we could see very interesting ways that the characters could, that, that Tony Gilroy and the writers of this show could take those characters. Yeah, and we know... And we know Rebels take place around the same time. And we know that there is a Ahsoka show with casted Rebel characters. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, like, 
this is perfect synergy. Like Disney has never had a better opportunity than to do really good cameos. I will say, I will say like, I don't want to get a cameo heavy second season. I will say that. Yeah. However, I do want someone from Rebels to show up. It just makes sense. Because, because I want to feel that sense of like, these things are happening at the same time and these things yeah. are connected and these things are important. I want that that sensibility between it, not just like, oh, I saw Chopper in the corner of the frame in Rogue One. Yeah. Um, but I mean, or like, Hera's ship. Like, I want to yeah. feel the Rebels, the connection. The Rebels crew, like, they are in the fight in Rogue One. So, like, it only makes sense for them to just show up, even if it's, like, off screen, even if it's just a mention of a name. That's what I love more than anything. If you just mention someone's name, I'll be happy, honestly. Yeah. It just yeah. means they do, they do exist in this world. And like for a show like this, again, all I need, like they say Palpatine every episode. I'm like, he's he's totally he's totally the shadow of Palpatine's there with him never being there. Right. Uh, and like Menace. the show can totally do stuff like that. The Phantom uh, Menace. Um yeah. I like I just I mentioned it love handedly, but apparently I really want it because I just I've been thinking about it like since I mentioned it. Admiral Radis would be incredible. I really want to see Admiral Radis in the show. I I a hundred percent fully expect like the Rogue One to Rogue One happening in those final episodes. Like I a hundred percent think like it'll be it won't be as I don't think it'll be super crazy as Disney expects, but I fully expect a Radis. I fully expect like, uh, would Galen Erso show up at all? Would, would Jyn Erso's no. dad? Would, or is no. he? Because he would he would be living on the planet with his daughter. Okay, and he's immediately recaptured by the. Empire. Okay, I'm just making sure. I'm saying like, I can see other like uh, Orson Krennic. I could guarantee he can show up for for a scene. Oh, I'd love to see Mendo yeah, in, in this. In this, he's an imperial asshole, right? Like. Stuff's, stuff's gonna get so bad for the ISB. Either Deidre Mira's gonna mess up or she's gonna do so good. She gets the intention of the people upstairs. Oh, speaking of like, speaking of like re really good, really, really good cameos, there's uh, Admiral Wolf, right? Who's from, who's from, um, uh, a new hope. He's one of the he's yeah. the, the the mustache dude. Yeah. So uh, uh, so so uh, our lead guy Pantergast, He has a guy above him who has the mustache. He's like, oh, I'm listening. Uh, he is from he is from a new hope. He is one of the dudes oh. uh, where Vader chokes that one dude. Like he, it's it's a that is a beautiful cameo because again that's like that's not a like a big character, but he's someone who would be there. Uh, again, and that's that, the kind of shit that's great. That goes back to what what I think we're all really enjoying about the show. What I really enjoy about the show is that we're seeing these kind of cameos that aren't like, oh look, you know, it's the the Leo, the Leo DiCaprio give of like, oh look, that's who that is. It, it 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 is a character who serves as a story. Honestly, if we were in a world where Peter Cushing was alive, I would one hundred percent believe that Grand Moff Tarkin could just walk through a door and he would be very much a very similar cameo like that. But we don't live in that world, unfortunately. I told, so I, I told him that um, what's her name? The Imperial Lady. Oh, Miro. Deidre Miro. Deidre Miro. She has a, an assistant guy who I'm like, this guy has seen Tarkin and models his uh, <laughs> work after him because he's got like the exact same hair and everything. I'm like, yeah. this is a guy who idolizes Tarkin. The guy sure. who's like, he's clean shaven. <laughs> Look at me. Pay attention to me. He's yeah. clean shaven. Yeah. That, that, dude, like that dude definitely knows Tarkin and yeah. is like, okay, Tarkin's like ideal Imperial role model. He's got such good cheekbones. And and there's been there's been a hint behind the scenes about, about what they're building in that prison, the Death Star. Mm -hmm. um, so like we're seeing what we know to be important important people important events in the in in, in the empire admiral wolf uh tarkin is, tarkin is overseeing hasn't i don't think at this point tarkin is overseeing the death star but, uh, but mendo no. is uh, he takes Krennic. it he takes it from krennic in rogue one yeah so krennic because krennic could very well show up somewhere um and, and we can we can get hints that there's the that we're seeing Cassian enter uh, like go through around because Palpatine kept the Death Star a secret, right? He kept the Death Star a secret from the from the from the uh, Imperial Senate, so we can see Cassian kind of 
be, come come around the Death Star without putting the pieces together that this is what is happening that they are building the Death Star. Yeah, he man, yeah, he he man, that'd be so brilliant if like he let's say he doesn't even learn what he's building until way later in, into the show or something. You're like like yeah, you're helping build that thing, and then he, he's the one who helps end up destroying it in the end. I'm like man, that's poetry, George. Are you watching the show? Oh, it's so good. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, talk about these episodes. We talk Hold on, yeah. George Lucas plays a senator in Revenge of the Sith. What if he showed up in this yeah. show? <laughs> it's everything I wanted. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah, so so let's talk about these episodes. Yeah. 30, 30 minutes into this episode, let's That's talk. That's a good ass show. Before bro. before we even get there, this is where he goes back to Ferrix. He goes oh, back true. and he yeah. tries to see his mom. I'm so glad we got Fiona Shaw back on the show. I was worried we weren't going to see her anymore. She's wonderful. Oh my god. Um, he I love ins- her. So he inspires much. her without knowing it. It's so beautiful and sad. Right, that she's inspired by the Aldani thing, and he's also not saying that was me. Um, but he has money kind now. of thing, and and she's she's completely dedicated to the rebellion because what uh, they do such a good job. This is the episode where we get like um, some of the imagery of when he was uh, young and his dad. Clem, his Why? dad was just trying to stop people from yeah, Clem, his who he he fakes his name after. Yeah, his dad Clem was trying to stop people from throwing stuff at the stormtroopers, and that he becomes one of the people blamed for it gets hung. Just and Clone just like him in this episode, he gets taken for not doing anything either. Clone troopers. Clone, yeah, clone yeah. troopers. Yeah, clone troopers. Yeah, uh, great detail. Yeah. Um, uh, really, just really good grounding emotional story. It's a good like we we were talking about this. The reason we're doing this is because we wanted to cover a whole arc, and the prison arc was not done at episode nine. Seven is kind of like a bridge episode between the previous arc and this one, but I think it's such a good and important one that is so focused on like Cassian kind of feeling everything rip, like slip away from yeah. him. Um, and the way that uh, his conversation with Bix is really good, but his conversations with um, his mom are so uh, important and foundational. And like him being directly confronted with the idea of someone who's passionate about rebellion, someone he cares about, and him still turning away from it. Um, rather, rather focus on himself. Still, uh, that this is not his fight. Uh, I think it's such an important like character beat because again, like the predicted thing is that you know, after after Aldani is the moment where he changes, and it's still not enough. It's still not enough for for Cassian to yeah. say, "I want to be. I believe in this cause. I believe in the fight." Um, even after the kid dies, even after the kid dies and wants to give him his book, yeah. it's still not enough. Yeah, I saw people online, the wrong people, saying like, "I don't understand. How's Cassie not a rebel yet?" I'm like. Like, bro, it's an arc, baby. Like, because, that, would be, that would be the simple answer if he was immediately just like gung ho all already like that. But again, like, it's 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 not it's not because Cassian needed a way out, right? Cassian's not looking at what Luthan is giving him as an entry into the rebellion. He's looking at it as a, as a job, as a way right out. And he never he never ever sees it as anything but hey, I'm here to do a job. And so, like, to, so for him, he did his job. He got his money. He's out. He was looking for a way out because he was already because he already screwed up. Uh, so he needed a way out. He got that way out. He got a job. He got money. So now he's coming back to get his is the people he cares about out. That's the only reason why he did it. He didn't do it to be indoctrinated into the rebe- to the rebellion. So yeah. he has such a, a much further way to go because he's not looking to fight the empire. He is looking for a way away he was looking to get away from the empire to get away from everything yeah. yes if anything he's regressed into i want nothing to do with the empire after yeah, fighting. Yeah. i want to leave and go to the furthest place and again the conversation he has with his mom is so beautiful because she's like no matter where i move they've built their they've built their prison yeah. their prison is in my mind 
No matter right. where I go, you can't stay and I can't leave. Oh, such a good show. I, it's, yeah. it's so powerful. <laughs> and like the stuff that happens with his mom later, like she's like, she is like blazingly just walking in front of stormtroopers like it's no big deal. She's like trying to uncover stuff under a hotel to help the rebellion that's not even there yet. Like she is so indoctrinated from what he did, he doesn't even realize it. It's so, or he realizes it, but like she doesn't know. And it's just like, and that is some good, that is some I'm sad gonna- storytelling. I'm gonna I'm gonna make the comic sec- the comment section sing. It's much like the Last Jedi when Luke sacrifices himself at the end of the Last Jedi to inspire hope in the galaxy. Andor has has done it in a very similar way. What he was a part of has inspired re- inspired hope and rebellion within the galaxy, not as widespread, but he did it without intending to, and right. he can't and believe that he did it. Yeah, and importantly, like. It's not just it's not that just that he's inspired it. He's also like as Luthen has said, he made the empire grip tighter yes. to make more rebellions because mm-hmm. or make more rebels because what happens is that they get stricter laws, they are now willing to imprison people for lighter sentences and for longer and then ultimately decide we're just going to keep them forever. Yeah. We're not going to let them go. And yeah. that people don't know that they're being imprisoned like that. But that's the Empire reacting to Aldani. Because there are people who are finding out about Aldani and saying, oh, the Empire can be hurt. And there are other people who are in the Empire who are saying, so now we got to, like, really tighten the noose on everyone. What does Lucent say? Um, the They've been choking us for so long, we we don't even look, we, we don't even notice it anymore. We needed yeah. them to choke harder. Yeah. And Deidre yeah. Miro, who, who is so good at her job, realizes this is not the right move. We are we are playing right into their hands. We are only going to make them stronger and fight harder. Um, yeah, but they, they make the act anyway. Yeah, and like her thing, <laughs> like again, bouncing around real quick, man. Like her thing when she talks to Bix, she's like, you know, all these other people they lay such a huge net. You know what I do? I actually try at my job. I don't just do the thing that they tell me to do. I actually work at it. That's why I win. And I'm her arc is so scary, and I'm so worried about all my characters because she is really good at her job mm-hmm. and that's not something the imperials are really good are normally good at yeah um she's like her own little detective darth vader going on and i love it uh the spiciest her her, her, and her little, little boy. say what say what you're gonna say ben because i have a point on on that um one of the best lines that luther said is oppression breeds more rebellion mm-hmm. so yeah. when Mo- like the, the scene with him and moth mothma in his store about how she's how how she's like this is gonna hurt so many people and he's like yeah that's the yeah. point the more people get hurt the more people want to rise up. The more people rise up, the weaker the empire get becomes. It's definitely it's like one of those. In order to do the grand thing, I have to do the horrible thing. I forgot what allegory that is, or phrase, or saying, or whatever. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, it's it's that. So uh, I, I, I just you're... love it. I, I love that because I, I while I'm watching this as like a, I guess like a citizen, I definitely I'm on the side of Mon because I don't want people to get hurt. I don't want people to get in prison for no reason. But yeah. then when Luthen says that, I was like, oh damn, he's right. I can't argue with that. That's so interesting because I'm like 100 percent on Luthen's side. I'm absolutely like, yes, make them stra- make them strangle the people so that we get more rebellion. Anyway, but like what I really what I really like about what we're talking about, just kind of bouncing bouncing off of that again with with Deja is is that they are um they're looking at it like, you know, what does Andor say in the first episode? They all, they all think they're safe and they're, they're sitting up there and fat and safe in their high t- in their high tower. Like what we're seeing the empire won. Yeah. They're it. They're the, they're the government. They can do whatever they want. Palpatine, Palpatine knows this. He has a Senate, but he doesn't need them. 
At this point, he doesn't need the Senate. That's why he wants the Death Star. He's and got half the, Senate, half the Senate seems to know that too. Yeah, yeah. They don't care. Yeah. He's got he's got the Senate only as a placeholder to keep the systems in line. Once the Death Star is built, he doesn't give a shit. He's already got his governors around the systems. He doesn't care. And that, importantly, and, sorry, uh, just real quick, interjecting on that because, like, importantly, he won't sit in on Senate meetings. He's yeah. got the other guy, the the, the blue <laughs> the blue guy with the two horns. That's the guy who's sitting in the chancellor's seat in the middle. I wish he saw him. him. I wish he saw me, him. Me too. I, I thought we saw him once too. Um, um, but like I, I, so what I really like about it is you know it talks about like the it, it it speaks to the Death Star itself because that's why the that's why the Empire ended up losing in A New Hope initially because they knew because they knew for certain that they were the top power nobody could beat them nobody was going to fight them the rebellion who cares about the rebellion we got the Death Star Tarkin didn't leave the Death Star when they were said, hey, there's a chance that this thing, whole thing could explode if this guy does this. And he's like, he's not going to do this. We're the Empire. We have the Death Star. Just shoot them. And, and so like, what we're, what we're seeing is 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 is, base, is 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 just that. And I really like seeing the Empire like that. And so the, going back to, sorry, but the point is, what I really like about Deja is that the Empire doesn't like people who do their jobs. Because they are because they don't want to admit that there are cracks in their perfect empire. And Deja is in a very is in a very dangerous position, not just for our, our rebellion characters, the people we like, but for her herself. Because if she is too good at her job, the empire will come down on her and she will be stabbed in the back for 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 for, for yeah. seeing the cracks within yeah. her empire. P- Pentagas even says it to her when he's walking out a hallway after praising Watch your her. back. Watch your back, because like she's doing the job better than other Imperials, and they're all about backstabbing. Right. Yep. And uh, I really like it, too, because like you got Pentagas, and he's this person who's constantly like saying to her, like he's like, this is great. Make sure you're right. Because yeah. the moment, the second your information doesn't check out, <laughs> it's over. Yeah. It's over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where we're heading, right? Like, like long term in in the Andor show for for her and for our other guy who who is having the sub relationship with her. Um, <laughs> did you did you mean that deliberately? Yes, I did. Uh, th- that's a Dom sub. He's replacing his mommy with a new mommy. Um, oh, 100%. I cannot wait to talk about Cyril Carr. Anyway, uh, oh those two. I do think that their story ends in tragedy with the Empire. Not yeah. with the rebels. I think that the way that it ends for them is that they try to to outmaneuver, outcatch the rebellion somewhere. It doesn't go the way that it's supposed to, and they take the fall. Yeah, um, I'm sure that's where their story ends. You know, uh, it's, it, it 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 parallels Krennic's story. Like story, like Krennic knew that Death Star wasn't the foolproof weapon that Tarkin thought it was, but he hoped, he wanted it to be. He knew that it could be, but Tarkin was like, "Oh, it's done. Let's go." And Krennic was Krennic was was killed for his obsession trying to stop the, these re, these re, these rebels on Scarif. Like really, that's what it was. Krennic was in a, a very similar position as Deja. Krennic's not as competent as Deja, but he was in a similar position, and he was killed for it. All right. So I couldn't find a picture of him in the show, but we see this guy on Ferrix. On, 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 sorry, not on Ferrix. Yeah, on Ferrix, looking at Cinta in episode 10 in a hood. Do you guys yeah. recognize this guy from the Imperial ISB? No. 
Yeah, so this guy in episode 10 shows up for a brief second watching Sinta watch Andor's house. He's oh, an yeah. Imperial. He's spying on Sinta. <laughs> Nobody else is catching this because like it's not hard to tell, but somebody on Twitter was like, yo, this is the guy from the ISB who stands in the back and just watches everyone. So we got spies watching spies watching spies. Yeah. I love spies. I love spies. spies. I, I love spies. I love Mon Mothma. Yeah. I Man, love Mon Mothma. She's so I love everybody. Everyone's in their own prison whether it's a real prison, a political prison, or a fuel depot prison with Cyril Cartwright. I love it. Um, or a marriage prison. Or a marriage prison. Yeah, it's just mm -hmm. awful. Um, she she is... I love that we're seeing her arc from being... She's a good person who, who a liberal a liberal governor uh, who is still, like, left-leaning, won't, won't do what she needs to do to be on a rebel, right? We are seeing, like, oh, we got to pass laws to get this stuff. Like, like, what you're supposed to do. We can't fight the law with violence. We got to do it through the Senate, and that's not going to work. And she, knows her, and she knows it. She knows it. Because yeah. she commits herself to constantly going in the Senate, constantly putting out these ideas for the things that they should do. She's trying she's like, damnest. if everybody keeps thinking this is all I'm doing and I keep failing at it, they won't catch on to what I'm really up to. And they got rebellion. But I really, but I also really like that we're seeing Mon Mothma, like what we're seeing Mon Mothma do is, is also start to lose faith in the Senate. She hasn't quite lost faith that the Senate is can, can have some purpose, but mm -hmm. we know that's where she goes. We know that she does leave the Senate because of Rebels. Rebels makes this whole decree. And, that she and no family. And she has no family. Um, so like what I think is what I, what I really like seeing of Mon Mothma is that we're seeing her, her and, and Bail Organa had a similar arc, as we know. They thought that the Senate could still work. That it wasn't just a, a a placeholder relic of the old ways of the, of the old republic. It's we thought, they thought that they could that it could work, but eventually they both realized there was no way that the that the Senate could ever have any power ever. And this and the rebellion is the only way. And I like seeing Mon Mothma struggle with the idea that she, in the back of her mind, she knows. She knows that Luthen is right. She knows that the that the rebellion is the only way way to go. And she can't admit it to herself because she can't admit that the Senate is has become that kind of glorified glorified placeholder that Palpatine look sees it. Yeah, as. that um uh that scene where they're talking about how like after all Donnie and she's like, did you do this? Uh, did we really do this? Like, and and Luthen's like, we can't hide forever. Like we have to make moves or else everything we've done for this long will be for literally for nothing. Like we have to make progress. I know that scares you, but you have to be a part of it. You saw, you did a vow. And you know, what's great. That's what she says to the rebel leaders in rogue one. We can't just sit on the sidelines anymore. We have to declare open war and everyone in the rebel Alliance is saying, no, we can't do that. We can't go to open war. And she's like, yes, we have to, we cannot sit on the sidelines anymore. We, we did not bring this up, and this is a very small detail that's incredible. I don't think live-action Star Wars has ever used actual timeline 5 BBY before. I don't think I've ever seen a live-action they say BBY. Mm -hmm. and so, like, so at the start of the show, it's, like, before the Battle of Yavin, because that's where the Death Star gets blown up, and that's, that's that the rebellion is here now, right? So, like, that is so cool that, like, the, like I, I, it's not a big deal, but, like, in every single thing I've ever seen, like, they've never actually mentioned, like, the fake BBY thing that, no, that that's, like, that's been in Legends forever. Like, no, they, they brought in a, a real timeline thing. That's so silly. I want to, I also want to just bring up how great it is that the actor who plays Mon Mothma, real quickly, I'm going to look it up. Um, Genevieve something. Genevieve O'Reilly, I believe it is. Um, she was cast as Mon Mothma in... Uh, in Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, cut from that movie. Yep. And 
then showed up again in Rogue One as that character. And that was like, oh, that's cool. That's cute. Fun. And now she gets this juicy role where she just can just act her ass off. Uh, Genevieve, right, yes. Um, I, I think that is that is so wonderful happenstance that that just worked out for her, that she finally gets to have this like definitive Mon Mothma role. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's uh, it's it's really nice, not just not just for the actor, but like for that character too, because like it would have been weird to do a whole rebellion thing and not have Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma, right? So like to have her actually be as important as she is in the canon in the in the story, and have and have and bring back the actor that that quote unquote you know made made her famous in a way. Um, because again, they could have just they could have recasted someone more famous, like yeah. as they often do in these. I mean, she like, Genevieve O'Reilly is a recast because Mon Mothma and Re- Return of the Jedi is obviously not Genevieve O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, because she's old, that's an old movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, but so I really I really appreciate that they kind of kept that actor around uh, from a deleted scene. And by the yeah. way, the deleted scenes of Revenge of the Sith are really cool. I highly recommend you check out Ken Napsok's Rebellion video about them. They're really it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Uh, also really like that what we're seeing with Mon Mothma in so this look this was in expanded materials when when Force Awakens is coming out and technically they are canon until they're not but Mon Mothma does become a chancellor of the New Republic when it's formed mm-hmm. and I think that's real I think what we're I think it's really cool that we're seeing her political aspirations we're not just seeing like vagaries we're seeing actually what she stands for what she wants what she what that she does care but not just the chandrillan people where she's from about the people of the republic of the empire of of the old republic she still cares about what the old republic stood for yeah and she wants that and she wants the empire to fail and i i really appreciate that what we're seeing we could conceivably see that character now as the chancellor of the new republic and not just a cool Oh, that was a cool way, not nod to the fans way, but as a, this is a really good character growth progression way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really interesting and, and cool to see like fake culture show up. Like they, they always, there's so much Chandrillan culture in the show that, that as far as I know, it's probably maybe existed in the books, never existed on in live action or, or animated form or anything like that. But like, I don't even think her home planet was ever named in live action. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, 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 <laughs> I like again, like I hate to bring up like Game of Thrones, but like I didn't expect like political marriage intrigue to be on the show. That's not something mm-hmm. I expected about about marrying off your underage children because that's Chandrillan, like that's like that's that's Chandrillan uh, uh, customs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene where Mon Mothma is slowly just like getting deeper and deeper into the shady parts of the rebellion mm-hmm. is now at a point where she's working with like the world's biggest gangster, uh the world's biggest mobster to sell her 13 year old child off for marriage that's how far she has now sunk did that, anyone else that is insane to me that, like that we're doing this in a, in a star wars show did anyone else kind of hope that it was a hut when they first talked about this person no i'll be honest with you i thought no. about it and i really didn't want it to be mostly because it didn't it didn't feel right the huts run their business in the outer rim and you would be dealing with someone who deals with the banking system in the center. Uh, so that wouldn't be huts. And I also was like, we can have people who are slimy gangsters that aren't huts. Well, Ryan actually brought up a good point. He is mentioned to be Chandrillan, which I, yeah, I did not catch. The, I did not catch the first time. No. Yeah. That's why I like the whole marriage thing is because like, you know, I I'm from Chandrilla. I love coming to Coruscant. Maybe I'll get invited more and more if our children are married or whatever. Uh, and that, and we only get, we only get five minutes with Davos, but like immediately, you know who that guy is. Like he has so many great lines of like, Oh, how much do you want me to pay you for the service? Money? Money means nothing to me at this point. I'm beyond rich. Right. I am beyond money. I don't care about it anymore. 
Tay? Is that his name? Tay? Yeah. yeah. Tay Coleman. Yeah. The scene, the scene when she, when they are talking to each other and she's trying to gauge like, Hey, if I were to tell you that I'm a rebel, would you be okay with that? Like, not in so many words. Like, she's she's talking around all this, and and he's kind of kind of picking up what she's putting down. But she's not, but he's kind of like still a little lost. And then she's like, "Actually, you freed me," and so, and like says so, like says what what this is because he's like, "Actually, you know, I don't like the because he says like, oh, you wouldn't like my politics anymore." And yes. she's like, he "Actually." Says- he says it very directly before she starts playing coy, where he's like, I, you know, <laughs> I might be most too people liberal. wouldn't care about my po- politics these days. I have yeah. no love for the empire. Honey, <laughs> you have no idea. And, and, she's really, just, I, and she's just like sitting there like, oh, I want to say it, but I can't say it, but I got to say it. And she's working around the room and the, you're, ta- you're, you're seeing all the other senators in the room and the, and the scene. It's a brilliantly staged scene and with such wonderful dialogue. Um, I, I, I was I was enraptured. By it. It's, it might be my favorite scene in the show. Yeah. Uh, so this arc. Uh, so uh, um, Tony Gilroy is the showrunner. He's getting a lot of acclaim. We have to give praise to Toby Haynes, who is ha- director of half of these episodes. He directed half of Andor. And this arc specifically is written by Bo Williamson, who is the creator of House of Cards, where Kevin Spacey aside, incredible show, incredible political drama um really well written so like the fact that he came and gets he just gets to write that shit for star wars it's it's we're blessed we're blessed hashtag blessed uh bo Williamson is an incredible writer um it's all the a plot the b plot the c plot the d plot any plot that's happening on andor i want to watch if it was a whole episode just on bix and what's going on i'd be happy with it whole arc on cyril i'd be happy with it i like every character is getting getting their just dues nobody is not important in the show you're right You're, you're absolutely right about that like there is never a moment when we do a cut to the B plot or the C plot where I where I lament that we're not seeing the A plot. And I've I've had oh, there have been there have been times like I I watched Archer Discovery. I've talked about about my issues with Archer Discovery, but quite frankly, many times during that during this most recent season when they would cut to the B plot, I just wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. I just don't care about the B plot that they're doing. And so and it's so it's so great to be in a place where you can go to any plot in any episode and I am just as invested as, as any other. Right. And it's all, it's all whether like it's all interconnected, whether it's in big points or small points at this point, because like Mm -hmm. it's all going to lead up into again, that season two finale, but like what Deidre's doing, what Cyril's doing, uh, it's all feeding into Andor. Uh, what Andor's doing is literally feeding into the rebellion. Mon Mothma feeding into the rebellion. They're all going towards the same thing. Um, it's just it's exciting. It's like every episode is this gets like more and more exciting because like we know where it's building to, but like there's so much there's still five years to go. Like, man, when we saw that prison sentence, you, Rogue One happens in five years, Andor gets a six-year prison sentence. Yeah. We know that's not that's not the trajectory <laughs> of his life. So he's we getting, know there's a prison escape about to happen. He's getting out, but like how it like it's like it's the kind of like you know, he talks about it was like we're all living a prequel. Yeah, you know, we know where he goes, but it's the how that's important. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I never would have expected that, like, that, like, Andy Circus gives like the performance of his lifetime in like in in like in an arc of a Star Wars TV show. Andy like, Circus, it's, so, it's, it's insane. Andy Circus was so great in this in these episodes. I want to highlight real quickly before we get into Andy Circus that I think all of the performances are great. I think Sal Skarsgård is acting his ass off in this show, um, but. Andy Serkis was such a surprise to see in this show. I had no idea he was in it. Yeah. Um, and he's, I, I have a lot, I, whenever Andy Serkis can do live action, I think he's always great. I think he's a lot of fun. He's a great actor. Uh, but 
but like you know he's been like tesla's assistant in in the prestige or like claw in, in black panther and i like yeah. both those roles i like both those performances but there's been nothing that i think have like defined his performance as an actor and until now like i really think that this was this was his best role i have seen him do i don't know if we're giving full credit to his performance in the planet of the apes films um, even though those are through motion capture, live action, I think though. you're you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. I deliberately didn't mention his performance capture work. Um, sure. When we bring that in, I do think Gollum and Caesar are incredible roles that he is that he has been that he is incredible in. No, um, he's and in I think action. they are, and I think they are on on par with what we're seeing in Andor. But there is a difference because we haven't seen him as a person. We haven't seen him in live action as a person perform like, like this before i mean his hey his role in king kong as the cook is legendary right <laughs> i mean so yeah no i i agree with you ben and like he's obviously he's a tr tremendous actor and like he's done he's for 20 years he's done great things but like i don't know if i've seen him do live action work like this, this i'll be right back i gotta take that's this. what i mean that's what i mean like obviously Gollum is, is incredible and, and caesar's incredible like we didn't expect that the guy who played snoke to show up in star wars and give a like great performance yeah is what right. i think is what, what we're coming from right yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had absolutely no idea. Um, even when I saw Andy Serkis, I was like, wait a minute, but you were already in the Star Wars thing. But as I'm watching him in this one, I'm like, this is great. Because I like when he when you first show up, you're, I get scared that he's like, oh, he's going to be like the hard ass. He's going to be the guy that everyone hates. But it's like, no, he's kind of like one of the guys. I mean, yeah, he's in a place of authority, but it's not authority where he abuses it. And then later when Andor was talking, it was like, how many guards? How many guards? And he fight And after the death of the old man Olaf, and then when they're walking away he's like so how many guards and he finally flips and says no more than 12 i'm like yeah the thing, yeah. The thing about circus is like i mean when we first meet him he is authoritative and he is like a hard ass but like you learn because like he that he has he that is the best way to run his shift in a, in a, a non-antagonistical way but mm -hmm. also he's he you said about he is one of the boys Every time something bad is happening, he is he is there with Olaf in the second. If something, anytime something's like, hey, you come to me, I'll solve the problem. Like he is secretly a boy because he is a boy. He is not in charge. He just has to act like he's in well, and he's and he's bought into the system. He he's like he you thinks, know yeah, you, yeah. you just get through this, you get to the other end, and it's done. We make this as we easy just, as we, we just can. try and get through it day by day, and yeah. eventually mm -hmm. the sentence is over, and you're fine. It is the fact that he finds out they killed the men, and they killed the men because what they all learned. Is we're never leaving. No one's leaving. And his willingness to play with the system falls apart. That's what he says to Olaf when he's dying. Like, you know, hey, you can't do this. You're almost out. You get like 12 well, more cycles. You, you get well, you got one forty. He's nearly done. You, know, um, you, you got you gotta let you gotta let him live. He's he's nearly done. I really I the the line at the end of that episode, which is not no more than 12, is never more than 12, um, is an incredible line. To end an episode, I had chills. Yeah, quite was, frankly, was, I had chills. Yeah, it was very. I was like, I gotta wait a week now. That sucks. <laughs> 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 it's a good episode. Yeah. Like when I got to what he said, no more than twelve. I'm like, next episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to it's nice to have them as um as, 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 because like I'm still doing it as like chunks. Like I want to I want to watch the whole arc as one thing because I want to mm -hmm. I don't I don't want to I don't want to get to never more than twelve. And be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I really really like his character. I think his arc is very very good. The way that they do his um standing in the control room 
and you have to be the one to tell them. You have to be the guy. Uh, yeah. And he's he's too panicked and he can't think of it. And he thinks of what what Andor said to him to convince him. Yep. Um, and he just repeats those lines. And I think that's really it's important for a lot of reasons. It's important for Kino's character because of what it says about like how how he's come up. But it also is like, you know, Andor, your words did this, even though Kino's the one saying them, these are your words. He's inspired so left and right. It's, it's going to change the, his relationship with this idea of what, what is possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really cool. There's nothing more tragic to me than when they get to the end and Kino is like, I can't swim. He knew the whole time. Yeah. He knew the whole time. He, he says from the beginning, I'm going to assume I'm dead before we even start any of this. He knew he couldn't swim. Just five thousand guys. You can't I, get one guy to help you out, Kino. Come on, come on, come on, Kino. I gotta. I. I. You broke my heart all over again. I watched this at two in the morning last night. I. I. My heart broke when I said I can't swim. I well, and like, swim. and the the implication is that like. Andor was going to try and find a way to help him, but he, and then he gets pushed off. off. Oh my God. Oh no. Once he's I, in the water, he can't get back up. There's nothing he can do. He just has yeah. to go. And you know, we're never seeing Kina Loy ever again. We do not know his fate. That is, that's what's brilliant about this show. We are never going to see him show up on shore. Oh, I might it. Good job for me. Oh, it's snow people. Like that, none of that shit's going to happen. Right? Like his fate is for, is for history. And that is awesome. It is so sad. It is like, it's beautiful. Oh, I'm God. not gonna lie. When they got to the the port where the ship comes in to drop them off, and they started jumping, I'm like, they're not killing themselves, are they? It was like, okay, cool, they're swimming. I didn't see, I didn't realize how far it was because when the guy said, oh, yeah, yeah. "What?" I'm he sure, goes, "One I'm, way out," and he just jumps. I was like, I'm sure on some level there was a hope, just like the tiniest nugget of hope, right? That like he knows it's unlikely, but yeah. like maybe there will be a ship. Yeah, maybe we'll have it all got it at the right time, and there will be a ship. Yeah, but no. That could hold like 20 people. <laughs> but it could get him. Yeah. At least he yeah, could yeah. get out. Yeah. Um, and, and if so anything, like, it's more it's more tragic that like he like he 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 helped make this happen and then like he's the one who has no, to No, because it's it's him paralleling Luthen. Yeah. In a smaller way, right? It's him being like, I did this. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to help me. I, I have a son. But I made a better future for a bunch of other people because I made sure people got out. He just helped make five thousand rebels, is what he did. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. and he, he even helped push Andor. What we're seeing again, another person has pushed Andor closer to where yeah. he becomes, or to the I, rebel that we know he becomes. It's Andor's line, but the one that Kino repeats of "of I'd rather die fighting than give them what they want." Yeah, and, and that you're, at, you're, oh my god, oh my god, I just I can't with this show because like it, like my brain is moving at a mile a minute of like, yeah, that's, that's the, that's the theme of rogue one. That's what Andor said. That's what Andor, that's the reason why Andor sacrifices himself at the end of rogue one. I'd rather die fighting. Like, and, and so like, we're seeing he Andor doesn't know, like, it's not quite clicking for him quite yet, but that he's like, we see it in his face when, when he's saying this, that when, he, when, 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 um, Kino is saying these lines of like, like he doesn't quite understand like why is Luthen why why is Kino saying my why is Luthen repeat Kino sorry they're very similar um why is Kino um uh, saying what I said to him like you know you yes me you you're the one to rally but it, he doesn't realize yet and I'm sure he will and I'm sure he might maybe it's the next episode or the episode after that he it, he is the one that has inspired Kino just like he inspired his mother it's just like. You I know can't. What? I when when I when I I when I get like this is is so good because we do these fake nerds watches for so many shows where I can accurately where I can accurately say what I feel about a show, what I feel about a movie, what I think yeah. about whatever. 
and I say these things and I, and I, and I'm so, and I'm, and I'm so thoughtful about them, but there are sometimes, which is why I'm kind of, I'm glad, glad now we didn't do Peacemaker as a Fickner's watch, but like there are times where I just sit there and I am just, and I, and my mind is going a mile a minute because I cannot get the thoughts out of my head quick enough because the show is so good that it makes me think so fast. And I have all, and I, and, and I just kind of like sit there stunned by how much I love a thing. And it's such a great place to be in. And I'm so happy to, I'm so ecstatic to be there with this show. And just imagine, I never thought I would be. And just imagine if you're one of those people like, oh, I'm boycotting Star Wars. I'm not watching the next Star Wars thing. Idiots. You would have missing this. It's, it's important to highlight too, I think, like as you were talking, because I was, I was thinking about this, that it, this is still the spirit of the original Star Wars trilogy. Like this yeah. is, this yeah. is the spirit of it. These decisions, these people, people like Andor, people like Kino, people like Luthen, who are willing to give it all for the future, that is also our heroes in Star Wars, in the yeah. original trilogy. They just happen to not die. Yeah. They don't have to make that sacrifice. They're 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 able to get through everything. But like, think about like you know the beginning of Hoth when Leia refuses to leave uh, the the base in Empire Strikes Back because she wants to make sure all the other ships have their trajectory to get clear first. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's the same decision. She happens to live through that because Han is still there with the Falcon. Otherwise, she would have been dead. Mm -hmm. But like, they're the same spiritual people. Like Luke goes after the Death Star when most of the rest of the the squadron that went with him has already been shot down. He knows it could be a suicide. Yeah. Um, the, 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 again, like the line that Mon Mothma says, many Bothans died to get this information. Like we, this is the show about the Bothans. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I just think that's so great because like it is, it is truly in spirit with those characters. Those characters just happen to live. So, you know, they continue to be our heroes through that. Mm -hmm. Andor's our hero through this now up until the point where he dies in Rogue One, but he's also living that life. He's living this, this mission. And I think that they capture that heart of it. So well. I just, I just thought of something. Uh, his name's Cassian Andor. Uh, he doesn't go by casting Andor <laughs> this entire show. He goes by other people's names until he becomes who he's supposed to be. That's a good point. He's mm -hmm. Clem, and then he's Keith Gilgo. But now, like when once he's a rebel, he's gonna be no. My name's Cassian Andor. Come for me, Imperials. And I'm like, oh, that's when you know you're a rebel, baby. <laughs> I, you're you're right about you were right about Kino being like uh, Luthen because you know he's the one who's making the sacrifice to uh, play to to give everyone a, a better future and. Mm -hmm. You you just kind of have to like hope that maybe Kino had like he he stayed on the he was there and then the rebellion happened and the empire fell and then they were like hey let's free all the prisoners and Kino was still there and he lived happily ever after but that's not a guarantee that's just kind of something that you you think about when 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 Cassian is 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 pushed off the side is 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 pushed off the side of the, of that prison and and leaving Kino knowing that he will never see that person again but it was such and it, and it also speaks to how influential people could be in your life for being in them for so little of a time mm -hmm. because Kino was only in, in in Cassian's life for so long and yet he is just another person on the step turning Cassian into the rebel that we know he is and it was an important person there there are no small people in Cassian's life, it is just—it is just one important person after the next pushing him to becoming who he needs to be. Yeah, even to that, even to that extent, Olaf, the the uh, having him uh, die on them and having tried to like soldier him through it, you know, his death also importantly the thing that catalyzes them towards the information they need to escape. In a yeah. in a in a negative way, also going back to the previous arc, Skeen. Skeen stood for nothing. He was a he was out for himself. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and Andor was like, "Oh, you're. I don't want to be you. 
I, and Skeeter was like, like, your trajectory is my trajectory. Like, and he's like, oh, I, that's a bad life to live. So he gets rid of that. So like, he's eliminating all of the factors. Like he's a, he's a rebel. That is his life trajectory without him even knowing it. Um, and it's just beautiful. Like every episode gets closer and closer to like, again, to like where we know him to be the same person he's always been, but now like on the right side, the right side of, of, of the law. And there's a, there's a, there's a world where you can say that this feels forced that there's a world where the story, sorry, had word choice, where the story could have been a forced story of like, oh, we're just padding for time. We're just kind of making, we're just kind of saving time because we have to have him be a rebel at the end of the season or where we made that, uh, we made that decision, but they didn't, but it doesn't. And it's, and it's very well written in that, in that aspect because you have people who have written for TV before who know how a TV show is supposed to work and who know how a character arc is supposed to be written. And so you get, so you're getting what is essentially an, an, an exceptional character arc seeing, you know, seeing, seeing this guy go from seeing this guy at every turn decide, decide not to be a rebel. Like quite frankly, he's, he has every, every turning point, that he could have become a rebel, he meant the opposite way because he doesn't want to be. He doesn't want to go down that path. He doesn't want to be that person. But life is forcing him to that person. He keeps fighting it. And there is a world, a lesser story where that could have been forced. And it, and we, I'm so grateful that we live in 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 not that world where we live in a world where this is such a well written story that it feels like a natural. A progression of his character arc and almost kind of tragic in a way because you keep wanting to yell at the screen no go the other way be yeah. the rebel sparks was right earlier in her discussion like there is another world where this is a six hour miniseries where it's the k2so adventures mm-hmm. and it's just him having goof times maybe yo ran the vader crazy right and then he meets up with the rebellion that is that is another world that that other people do live in unfortunately we don't live in that world luckily we had to suffer through other shows to get Andor, so it's a reverse. But like, I'm 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 thrilled to be here. Like, I again like could not have expected it. One of my favorite characters on TV is a is a is a little little boy dominate dominatrix fascist who just wants mommy to step on him. <laughs> I can't believe that's the world we live in. We haven't talked about him yet. Cyril Karn, the serial man. <laughs> Cyril is such a... We've talked about it in the first episode, how we were like, oh, we can see how this event on Ferrix uh, radicalized people, and we can see that he, Cyril could become... The next time we see Cyril, he's a he's an Imperial. Next time we see him, he's very sad, <laughs> living yeah. in his, with his mother in, on Coruscant, eating some cereal. Uh, the moment the moment we got to the first appearance of... My of investment. Karn's, ...of Karn's mom, uh, Megan was like, oh, Jewish moms exist in Star Wars. oh my god time that this show is allowing us to spend in his sad mom's apartment is unbelievable and how even though we're wasting not wasting i did the wrong word we're spending so much time with just these two people i'm learning so much about both of them i'm learning so much about the world how uncle harlow like i hope we never meet uncle harlow i hope he's just a name that you have to live up to all the time i i love it um him having to work for a fuel depot to like, uh, he'll take any job, no matter what it is, just to the, get into the Imperial, into the Imperial's base. God, his, his tie. Um, his tie. Fun, <laughs> I love his tie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I really like about the bureaucracy of the job he ends up in is that it shows you that like, if your job isn't sexy in the empire, your job sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everywhere. Uh, if it's not sexy, it's bad. Um, <laughs> and boring. Like, like that's, that's really all it is. There's, there's no in between. Your job is either really cool or it's awful. You torture or you sit at a computer eight hours a day. 
the first scene between um, Deirdre and, and um, uh, Cyril is, is, is when they're when they're in the interrogation room is brilliant, and I love I love Cyril's like like died in the womb. Like I am, I am Imperial all the way. I just wanted to serve justice. And he re- he's like, I never read the report because da da da. And as he gives the reports. They left all this stuff out about how Cassian Andor is like this rebel leader. And he's got Cassian all wrong. And it's, he's so determined to think that Cassian is like the rebel. It's so funny to me. And it's, it's important to note that like, this is him seeing what he wants to see, right? This is him taking his own ideology and applying it because who screwed him over? The Empire. Yeah. Who didn't let him read the report? Yeah. Who shut down his ambitions? The Empire. And he did. still comes back. But he puts mm-hmm. it on Andor. He mm-hmm. puts it on him as yeah. being the responsible for his woes. He's a bootlicker. The system. The system did him wrong. But he doesn't and see the that. Fact that. Like you you have that. It's right there. It's yeah. very clear that like the Empire is the one who made his life bad, not Cassian. Like uh, he is is so smart because especially because like it's coming from the angle of like he didn't start in the empire and I'm so glad that that's where we where we were with him. He started working under the empire but for a different authority. He was a security guard. Right. And and like <laughs> but that's important because like the empire hadn't branched out to take full control. Now they are. They are saying like we're taking full control everywhere in the system. It'll all be imperial enforced. Congratulations on that. Um but he still he believed in that greater system. You know, this is very much the the like the people who will support like the, the really awful, awful ideologies that exist in our country right now, um, they don't get that those same ideologies are punishing them, stepping on them to get to their power. 100%. Uh, and he's exactly see- not seeing that. He's exactly representing that idea where he puts the blame, where the Empire tells him he should really put the blame, as they are putting him down in the ground. Yeah. Ben, you were gonna say something? No, I was just gonna say how Cyril is just so unbelievably whipped oh, by yeah. the Empire that by Deidre. Oh yeah, Not yet. Oh, Not yet. well he is like that dude is falling head over heels for Deidre. That's I mean the second she showed up and started talking, you could tell he's like, "Hello, dude." The, uh, the, the, the she's line, like, she's like, "I see a kindred spirit in you," or whatever. No, the whatever. line, the, the line that's the most troubling is first of all, he's he's a stalker and he's stalking this woman. So like the fact that it's happening to Imperial is like, it's still bad. He's still doing gross shit. But he says, I found life and meaning through you. You gave me a purpose to live and that justice still existed and beauty still existed in the galaxy. The last time they talked, it was an interrogation. This is how delusional this man is. Because, because she comes to him as a pure representation of the empire at its finest and he gets his mind and he gets so hard and she's she's gonna end up on the same path as him i'm almost certain he's gonna end up also buried by the empire yeah um because she's too good at her job and that's and that's the thing is like they believe so wholeheartedly in this thing that is ultimately going to destroy them yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. i'm oh sorry (laughs) you're saying something i'm so sorry go ahead no i was just i was just saying that part of me I, I don't know. Like when we first saw, when we first like when he stays outside of the ISB building just to try and see her come in, I was just like, "Oh, dude, you you were just such a creeper, but you were mm-hmm. also so whipped. It is just yeah. uncomfortable throughout the entire time that they're talking. And even when she goes into her office, you can see how uncomfortable she is. It's like, ugh. It's and this this scene is important because we've never seen something like this in a Star Wars thing before, or really maybe like a Disney Plus thing yet. Like how how disgusting and uncomfortable like the situation is and as we're following bad people doing it like mm-hmm. it is just layers and layers of horrible things happening but we can't stop watching it 
I think yeah. it's so fascinating. I think what I really like about what I what what they're doing there with Cyril and and Deirdre is that you know we've had we've had hints before through through Mandalorian a lot of uh, the there being people who were in the empire who, you know, were just people and, you know, that they, they got punished by the system and, and, you know, or, or like, uh, I'm thinking of like, um, Bill Burr's character who talks oh, about, yeah. like, you know, the absolute annihilation, uh, that the empire does and, and that kind of thing. But like, at the same time, while I think it would have been, it would be nice or it still could be, uh, to have a character who's like, you know, just a person working in the empire, there's an amount to be empathetic for a person who's, who's trapped in the system like that. Um, even as you could have that, you, I think what's better is to have these people who like, you kind of have to just pity them. There's an empathy of pity mm -hmm. for them because they, they don't see that they're being hurt by the system, but they are being hurt by the system. And you are engaging with that material and recognizing that the system is destroying them. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, they're still giving everything they can to the system. So they're still, they're still acting with the wrath of it. I, I, oh God, I hundred percent see what you're saying. I, I think with this exact show that they're doing, they don't want to give any sympathies to the Empire. Right. I, I think that would be a juicier bet, like a juicy show. I think specifically, not that they couldn't do it, I think they don't want to take away the focus of the rebellion. But it's important, but it's important to have that idea of being able to see the path of like not relatability, but at least like a clear pity for like where they are. Yeah. Because it it keeps them from being like just the bad guys. I think at this point, we're so many years in the Empire, they weeded out everyone who's not on their side. I C think that's certainly in higher offices. Like I'm thinking, like you know, probably ground level. There, we don't. We're like, not seeing too much of that, though. You know, like because you get like you get like the guys who uh, I, I think we you did get like a little glimpse of it with like the guys who are stationed where the eye happens, and they're like, sir, you know, we're only here for a matter of years, and well, we'd really like to see the eye. Yeah, yeah. We, the eye the most incredible thing. I mean, we've been saying Dr. Gorg so is nice too, and he's a fan. So you though. get my point being like that you get the idea of these guys who are just like, you know, they're they're working for the system, they're working the jobs that they have to. The, you yeah. know, there's an amount of the like the 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 janitor on the Death Star kind of level of like uh, it, what what else were they gonna be able to do with their means and their capability? Yeah, and yeah. I'm not saying that the show should focus on them, but what I am saying is that I'm glad that there is an avenue of Cyril and Deirdre where you can see the relatable pity. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. their position because it keeps them from being just the bad guys and oh, just yeah, like yeah. that being the only stopper on the conversation like they are just evil people they are not just evil people they are people who are so convinced of an ideology they can't see when it's hurting them mm -hmm. um and i think that that leaves open at least this i this way for them to be still more human more complex uh in a way that like previous entries with the empire like the original trilogy that kind of thing we're not able to do yes well, uh, maybe not after the ter the 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 um uh terror terror children episode where they they give Bix that helmet that causes her massive Ooh, discomfort. That was so maybe Deja is not redeemable after that one. That was so <laughs> smart. Um I'm not saying yeah I'm not saying no, 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 but no. like yeah yeah no yeah well, I don't think there's any redeemable people no, no, no. that we're following any irredeemable people here. Um I, I want to speak uh, I, I really want to speak on that on that children thing but i want to say real quickly about the empire what's so interesting about the empire is that it's not really operated like an empire it's operated like the sith like the the, the it is the empire is run by the sith and <clears throat> therefore it is operated like the sith so if you are if you if you cross palpatine you're dead if you cross vader you're dead if you cross this person you're dead it's not there's no demotions there's no anything like that 
if you if you if you kiss ass if you kiss ass and you do your best to just be the best fascist you can be you maybe will get promoted but most of the time you're probably going to die because palpatine doesn't doesn't look at these people like people he looks at them like he looks at the senate disposable mm-hmm. These yeah. are people I am keeping the galaxy in control because I want the power, not because I want to control the people. I want the power of that control. I don't give a shit about anybody else but that power. And we see that at all levels of the Empire. We always have. Every single, every single time we see the Empire in every single Star Wars media, it's always the same way. We get the we get the tried and true, we get the tried and true fascists like 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 Tarkin, who's just like who kills anybody who's like, oops. Oops, uh, 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 Mendo, uh, uh, Mendo tripped on Scarif and blew up. Oopsie! Like <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't give a shit about anybody. And so, like, that's what I. That's why, no matter what, that's what Sparks is kind of. That's what I think Sparks is trying is is, is talking about. Like, no matter what, there will be always this kind of sympathy for the people in the Empire because no matter no matter how le- what level of fascist you are, what level of tried and true imperial like bootlicker, like I'm I'm I am I'm sucking Palpatine's dick, <laughs> and I'm still going to die. Like no matter what, everybody in the Empire has a death sentence. Every single one of them, they will always be screwed by the system because the system is only there to give Palpatine more and more power. And if we're if you're not Palpatine, you're expendable. And it's it's super sad because you have the two people like you have the you have the people who see the Empire for what it is and like all right I love power give me more power. And then you have the other people who are like they're the ones in charge. Hopefully they'll do the right thing and I'll be there with them for it. There's and I, those are both like you're both, that's real bad in both situations. Because there's there's almost an argument where like if you could just be like oh I own this shop on this backwater planet in like the outer rim and as long as you keep to your business and keep your records clean like odds are you'll never have trouble under the empire joining the empire probably going to have a life of suck like <laughs> you kind of roll the dice on that one yeah. and and I think like more and more like what 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 will be really interesting I and what I hope we get to is the point where um we I really hope we meet um uh the the I forget his name but the character in Rogue One who's the former imperial pilot who, uh, oh, uh, Bodhi. Who gets Bodhi? Who gets Bodhi. them the information about Galen? I hope we get to him because I don't think that they should do it with anyone else. But like, there should be an arc in here of a person who kind of goes, "I think the Empire's wrong." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and is like, "It's time for me to like fully step out of it." So Tony Gilroy, uh, doing a lot of interviews recently. Um, they were before the show came out. Sorry, the writing process. They were like, "So how did you decide on Andor?" And he's like, "Honestly." I love all the characters in Rogue One. I this this was going to be a Bowen show. This was going to be a Melky show. This was going to be a blah blah blah. We decided on and- Andor. <clears throat> so I he threw out Bodhi specifically. I got a feeling Bodhi will show up. I do too. Yeah, I, I think I think we definitely get to him before. Isn't before. that isn't that Lonnie though? Like, isn't the character you're talking about Lonnie to an extent? Because we meet lo- that Lonnie is a double for for Luthen. But Lonnie, but Lonnie was planted into the Empire yeah, he was by Luthen. He wasn't a person who joined and then was in it and went. I he think this grew, is yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not his. Alone. That's not his mentality. He was put into already not like the Empire, mm-hmm. but to rise through. Let's talk about that scene as Luthen's tool, and that's a different perspective. Yeah, that is an incredible. That scene. was Lonnie. That was my. That was my. That was my subtlety. Subtle, subtle way of being like we should talk about Lonnie now. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, so we see who's arguably the most imperial looking man on the on the council, right? <laughs> Straight up, just porn mustache, slick back, like side hair. I'm like, all right, Mister Imperial, gotta play the part. Gotta play the part. And then we see him on some gross looking planet, and I'm like, what's going on here, Lonnie? No, it's the lower, it's the lower levels of Coruscant. Lower levels of Coruscant. Oh, okay, yeah, thir- it's a thirteen, thirteen. Yeah, it just looks like another planet because it's so gross. Um, immediately puts on a thing, and I'm like, oh, you're the one year later guy. 
oh, you're the one year later guy. And then Luthen's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a kid. This is not threatening at all, I promise. And I'm like, damn, we're starting like that, Luthen? And that's when I knew, like, oh, man, this is about to be a rough conversation. Oh, man. And it was probably the juiciest conversation we've had in this show so far. Well, at least yeah. one of them. Well, um, yeah, he, not- he, they give up. Um, we don't. We never see this man. Uh, Segan? 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 Keegan? Oh. Krieger. 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 Krieger, who's just another a separatist leader guy. We yeah. never see him. But we've met. We've mentioned him before. We've we we saw. You know, he says to Saw, you know, I want you to go. I want you to go help this guy. No, okay, no Ooh, deal. Quick, that spellhouse spelled spell H A U S. So it's like a German spellhouse. Like it's a a magical factory. I'm like, that's so cool. That's so cool. And and then we find out that someone that uh, the the Empire know that they have a ship that's supposed to go to him. And then and now Luthen is being told that. And instead of warning them, it's like, no, keep him. That's fine. We can lose this guy. We will, it'll, lose, it'll help 50 men. we will lose our 50 men because if we don't, they'll know someone's a spy. And you're more you're worth more than 50 men, Lonnie. Yeah. You're a and, hero to the rebellion. And Lonnie cannot handle really that. importantly because you brought it up. I do want to touch on the Krieger thing. When we went to the Saul scene, what I think was so good, we talked about this with Saul, where you know he he's not willing to play play the game he's the only person who see things clearly he says he says i won't work with krieger krieger's a former separatist which isn't so much about his ideology but he says he runs down the list of everybody who opposed the republic and uh and he says like all of them fail they're all, all of them are lost all of them are gone uh they didn't none of them did it right he, you know he believes that there is no right way to unify against a higher power and he mentions so we get a list Early on from Luthen or, or, or from Cassian, like the Gorm Republic, the Gorm Alliance, the, 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 the Blank Front, the, all these <laughs> different names. And he goes even further. He says, like, he says, separatist, cultist, he, like all these crazy things. And I'm like, man, that sounds like a bunch of different people. Do you have to join an like a rebellion? Like all these different factions. And I'm like, there's more than you than you even know, Saw. Oh, which, I, which I also think is really nice because, you know, you, you do get some of it in other places in Star Wars. But like the notion that like not all of the separatists were also were bad guys either. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a lot of them, what they were fighting for is the fact that, as we know, the Republic didn't really do what it needed to do with the resources and uh, aid that it needed to give to planets in the Outer Rim. That's how the separatist movement starts. Don't forget. Sagarera's sister was killed by separatists on Geonosis. So he has a thing against separatists no matter what faction they're a part of. Yeah, I mean, we we often forget that Dooku was right. Like, Dooku yeah. went about it the wrong way, but he was right. He, yeah. he, we he worked see, for the wrong guy. He worked for the wrong guy, but he was yeah. right. There was, a, there was a problem in the Republic, and, and, and the Jedi weren't doing what they were supposed to, and the Republic wasn't doing what they were supposed to. And so Saw still has that prejudice against separatists as he should because as ryan said his sister was killed by a separatist he also has no love for the republic and now the empire because he because of what happened in the clone he doesn't like who's in charge you bring up a great point because dooku believed he was the luthan in that scenario yes he did truly believed that he believed that what they were doing was you know the dirty deeds that needed to be done for real change to come to the people who needed it throughout the galaxy. He just shows the wrong uh, the wrong leader. <laughs> yes, he just Steve fell for for Sidious's lie. Palpatine. It's not until <laughs> it's not until Palpatine tells Anakin to kill Dooku that he really realizes what he had done. <laughs> well, his head's about to be cut off. Like, whoa! Yeah. Because he has that moment. He has that moment in Revenge of the Sith where he realizes, like, oh, this was never about this was never about protecting people. So this was always was, about you. In that moment, yes, you're right. Like it's it's one of the best things. Like Christopher Lee is a very Ooh. good actor, and like the, the the face he gives in that like that kind of pain, like Get all of this now. was my whole life with you was for nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is that he knows in that moment 
none of the separatists will get what they want. Yep. None of this is going to go the way that that we were promised. Oopsies. If only um, Qui Gon hadn't died. Yeah. 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 Uh, real quick, the last on Lonnie, like great performance from that guy. Yeah. Like, like he is a father. I want to. Oh, my wife's got a got a little t- a little shop I can work at. Like, do you really do you even you even as you it, say it, you know, you know they're know. not going to let you. <laughs> yeah. Give me a break. Like, like Lonnie again. Like Lonnie, you're a hero of the Republic. You should be happy about this. And like, I'm about to get 50 men killed. I don't feel very heroic right now. Um, <laughs> he uh, arguably not a bigger hero than Luthen for what Luthen's doing, but to be in the Empire alone for six years, potentially married an Imperial and had a kid, like. Like, again, we don't know that situation. He's got a new kid, but again, that could be a situation through Imperial means, right? His entire life has been ruled by this rebellion, and he just wants out to raise a family, and you cannot escape. Whether you're on the good side of good or side of bad, I, you are in this for the long run. I really like when Luthen repeats the line of, like, you know, I wasn't, because uh, he says earlier in the conversation when he's in the elevator, uh, that I think about you all the time, Lonnie. Yeah. And he's like, I really mean that. I yeah. think about you all the time. I think about what I'm putting you through. Because he's but doing it, it to himself. Necessary. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I. Yeah. He does such a great job of like the I sacrifice everything. Um, theory corner. The first. This is the first. The first only real theory. I've, I've told it up. Told this to you before. Uh, Luthen had a Kyber crystal. Uh, Luthen has been seen not as often as I think, but he's been seen with a cane. People think he's an ex Jedi in hiding. How do? Mm. Would you be okay if that was true or not? At this point, no. I don't think I would. Yeah. Like if it ha- if they did it, I would be happy with it. I like the show. I'm sure it'd be well written. But as it yeah. stands right now, I'm kind of like I like the idea that like you know we talked about you know going back to that Dooku thing because I really like talking about that real quick. Um, like the idea that like the Jedi failed, mm-hmm. and so like Luthen and like Dooku knew that the Jedi were failing and knew that the Jedi were were wrong, and so kind of like being seeing like a Jedi kind of in that kind of doing these things. It almost doesn't kind of. It almost kind of feels like a little too much to kind of be like, "Oh, this is this is a former Jedi." Um, so and like we have to do the Order sixty six thing again. We have to do like the, the as it stands. I think I'm okay with Luthen just being yeah. this shot person uh, as yeah. uh, as he it is. is. It, it is not absolutely like in stone. It's just there. There are some fun pieces. Um, somebody. I wish I thought of this, but somebody brought it up. Like Emperor Palpatine created his own Emperor Palpatine. Because what is Luthen doing? He's a man who wears who wears a wig, and he goes and gives a, fa- a false face for a rebellion that nobody knows about. He's he is his own Phantom Menace, right? And I don't I agree. Like uh, it, again, in a worse show, Order sixty six stuff would resurface. But him being someone who failed, and now he can't he can't save the Jedi like the the way that he used to be. He can do it in other means through he he can't be a Jedi, but he can be a Sith in a way. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Not actually be a Sith, but use evil means. Um, I think it would be <laughs> just a and it, they don't even have to show him be, having a lightsaber. But I think an ex-Jedi doing all of this for for the people that he damned himself, I think would be really, really compelling. But again, the writing would have to be there for it. I think yeah. I think what I'm confident of one way or another is whether whether he is a Jedi or he was very close to a Jedi, which I think might be the route. That I think the is. Kyber Crystal is not nothing. Yeah, I, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think the Kyber Crystal is not nothing. And I and I think that what it might be is that he he either loved one loved one or yeah. he was very dear friends with one or was related to one yeah, yeah and and happened to know that like if it was a sister or something he happened to be able to know that they were there and they were a jedi and everything and i think that the key to that is that he knew when palpatine did what he did that it was wrong he, he said 15 years he was lying he said yeah yeah he knew he was lying a long when time. he said the jedi 
did this. He knew it was a lie. Yeah. I think that's the important thing is whether he was part of the Jedi or he was close to a Jedi, he knew it was a lie. And from that moment, he was like, this is wrong and I will work. Because he's this. been, if he's 15 years is longer than the rebellion. So like he's been, he's in I there from be, the get -go. I would be very into the idea that he either knew or loved the Jedi. Yeah, I think that I think that's a a clean, clear path. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that the important part about it, and the important part of the Kyber Crystal, and the important part of him saying fifteen years ago, is that the moment, the moment that it happened, he knew it was wrong. Yeah, yeah. He was a person who knew and had means to say, "I will not let this stand. I will not let this empire succeed," mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, because he knew from the jump it was wrong. Just, it just a fun little, <coughs> a fun little thing to think about. It would just be hard to believe that a Jedi could live on Coruscant for this long without somebody finding out, you know? I mean, if he's hiding his powers, like, I'm not... I, that's one of those things where, like, again, like, I don't need this to happen, but it's just, like, he can suppress his powers. He's just been... A, again, he's been a an art dealer. No one goes to think I will, an art dealer. I will put it this way. I will put it this way. To uh, I, I do think there is the, the path where he could be a Jedi. What I think works against it is that Luthen feels like a person who would have given it all in the moment. Um, and I, you would have. Well, he to says he's a coward. He says he's he's a coward, and that's he why does. I like, believe he he still has not done what he thinks he actually needs to do. Perhaps, yeah. <laughs> I think that was another big thing for me is like when Saul asked him, "Who are you?" He says, "I'm a coward. Like I have the means to do more, <coughs> but I but I actually can't." Uh, but that's again, that's really into it. I think either way, I have full trust that the Luthan story will be told in a in a way that is utterly satisfying. Absolutely. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about it. I yeah, do yeah. think we'll find out the meaning of that Kyber crystal. Yeah. I if they decide that he was a former Jedi, I am sure that story will be told well. If they decide that he knew a Jedi, I'm sure that story will be told Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I do think it is key to why he is doing what he's doing. I do think that the Kyber Crystal and the relationship to the Jedi in some form mm -hmm. is an important part of why Luthen is who he is. I think yeah. that is the spirit of who the Jedi were kind of living through the birth of the Rebellion. I do think is embodied through Luthen. Yeah. Sure. I have so much faith in this writing team that whatever they decide to do with Luthen, I know it's going to end up being amazing. And we know he does. He's not in Rogue One, so like this fool is probably going out in a blaze of glory for the rebellion. And I'm just probably. like, probably. Oh man, I'm going to cry so hard, aren't I? Oh you no. Know, you know the way the show is going. I can 100% see that his blaze of glory is this. His shop gets blown up from, from a, a terrorist attack on Coruscant, and his shop is destroyed, and he's dead. And like that's just it. Oh, that's you just mean Gerald Carr, the the Imperial terrorist who's going to start working for Miro under this under the, under the guys? Right. Like I don't want to. I don't want. I don't. I'm at I'm at a point now where I where I'm enjoying the hell out of the show, and I don't I don't want to speculate too much. But like I can see the way the show goes, like. Anything is possible that it, that Luthen could be dead off screen. Oh, we just heard about the, this, and like that would be a story that this that I could believe the show could do. Yeah. I fully, I with everything that we that we've been given, I fully believe that Cyril Karn and Luthen are gonna meet, and it's gonna be bad because he heard his voice, and he's gonna he's gonna so, somehow he is going to end up in in that art shop and hear his voice. That's the and second time. Be, that is the second time that we that we have been put to the to the to the um to the point that Cyril will would be able to recognize Luthen's voice. Yeah, whether whether she goes to visit, whether he and Deirdre go to visit him for some reason, or they're in they're in some shop together, whatever whatever it is, he will hear he will hear Luthen's voice, and Luthen or, and Cyril will go crazy, and something bad will happen immediately. I, I do I do want to point out um. I'm really pleased with the arc of Luthen. Um, again, talking about like the predictability of the show. When we were watching the trailers, I assumed Luthen was a senator 
or at least in a place similar to a senator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah, fact yeah. that he ends up being this like Our historical uh, shopkeeper, brilliant. Yeah, like a brilliant path to go down. And he has ties um, to history. So I wasn't here for the last one, so I do want to note that I really love the use of carbonite freezing to maintain historical artifacts. I think that's awesome. The fact mm -hmm. that we're not just using it for bodies, yeah. we also use it to preserve relics. Makes sense. Super cool. It belongs in a space museum. Um, at this point, at this point, they haven't used they haven't used carbonite freezing for people yet. That's true. Oh, yeah, it hasn't been hasn't been tested on Han Solo yet. And then they'll do it all the time forever. Then that'll be Boba Fett got so Boba Fett was so hot on it. He's like, hey guys, just tell all of his all his bounty hunter friends, hey guys, let's freeze our people in carbonite all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a bunch of side characters that 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 we haven't not a bunch, but there's a couple. We got Vel. So Cinta is on Ferrix just hunting down Cassian, so she's doing her own thing. Vel cousin to Mon Mothma. The love story between her and Cinta, by the way, very good. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was shocked when 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 Mon Mothma, oh my cousin's here. Oh, your cousin, cool. Vel? I definitely thought she was going to be a Luthan relation, not a rich girl relation. I thought she was Luthan's daughter. Yeah. Blonde peoples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess she could still be. Mon Mothma yeah. could be related. I don't think so. At this point, no, no, no. Um, but it is it is interesting that like, okay, so we know Vel's history. Like, she's not like some scrappy rebellion <laughs> lady. Like, she's also rich like Mon Mothma. And Mom's even like, can you try being a rich girl for a change instead of blowing <laughs> up buildings? Well, no, what's, what I think, what I don't, I don't think I don't think that's how it was. I don't think that's how it was. I think she she said to she says to Val, almost kind of like Batman. Hey, go be Bruce Wayne for a minute. Yes. I yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I yeah, yeah. 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 It's because it's like uh, yeah, yeah. your lay low is go be rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go be rich. Enjoy being rich. You need to lay low. Yeah. yeah. You need to. You yeah. need people to. You need people to stop looking for you because Good if job. you if you keep doing this, you're going to be found out. Go drink some yeah. squid. Good job, Aldani. I I need to I I need to highlight the fashion. Is all so, so wonderful good. throughout this whole oh, show. God. The sets are incredible. The design of the all the different rooms we get in Coruscant. Um, going back to the Senate sparingly, um, super nice. Really, just a love seeing it this way mm -hmm. is so good. Um, and it's sad because it's like barren. Yes, uh, or <laughs> yeah. like the way that people are are checking out entirely and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, the design of the prison, so well thought out, so well. Um, brought to life every every <coughs> every single scene every single set like there there was no half-assing <coughs> it like even like in the smallest scene in the smallest bathroom they went all out on that bathroom like there there is not a detail there's not a rock unturned in the show uh and you know it's a real rock and not a cgi is this the first time we've seen it it's just the first time we've seen a bathroom in star wars <laughs> probably. Like a, probably like a toilet yeah yeah space toilet yeah yeah interesting this is also a very. I want to say we maybe saw one in Mandalorian, but that's. This I don't is know also why. A, we a did, more, we did, we did. There's a bathroom on the Razor Crest. There you go. There I, this is. is also a much more. This is not a complaint. A much more grounded show in terms of them just using more real world stuff because in the I arc they just have AK-47s with a little space on them. Those are just AK-47s. Those do not look like laser guns, um, and I don't have a problem with it. But it's like, oh, we're just. That's an easy day on set. <laughs> Ryan brought up an excellent point that this very prison hallway behind us is uh, looks better and is better realized and more inviting uh, than the very Star Wars hotel in Florida. Y'all, there's, there's, <laughs> there's a Twitter comparison. Y'all find it. Those rooms are not as are, are nearly the same size and don't look as fun. It's kind of shitty. <laughs> I mean, and when they were talking about five thousand a night, <laughs> when they were talking about this, is like. Hey, here's your plate. Here's your spoon. Here's your food. Here's your water. And you know, you do well. You get taste to it. I'm like, actually, that's kind of nice. You got everything you need right there. That's cool. <laughs> keep you fattened up to keep the to keep the labor good. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. how that's how 
that's how they get you to be fine with it. Yeah. And like, and like, I just you brought up the set design. Like, I love the fact that we are in real sets and real locations and and big sets, not not sets, that, not like we built a chair and then put the volume around it. Like yes. we built a set, and well, like I I I love I love seeing this this the I love seeing sets. Uh, one of my favorite sets is the impromptu imperial court in episode uh seven uh, seven with the on the beach planet. Yeah. Know? Um, where uh, they sentence Andor. Um, that set is just so full of stuff and yeah. life and stuff going on. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, she's so high up too. Yeah, um, yeah. They do. Gone. They do. They do a really great job with so much of the show. Um, oh, visually, it's it's just a feast. We 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 briefly hear it in episode one in the brothel, but we fully get it in in this episode and in, in the beach episode. Star Wars's first pop song. Uh, it, mm. opens, it opens the the scene where it's like da, 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 and the the music person on the show was like uh we have you know if you listen to star wars music you know you got jizz jizz is all over the place in star wars we wanted to create a pop version of jizz they don't, i don't know if they have a name for it but pop jizz now exists and it's just pop. it's just like lo-fi hip-hop to, to, to chill to it's like it's, um create star wars music uh, pop uh, his, yeah 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 his mother says stop looking for your sister Yes, uh, which I was interesting because that was the that was only the second time we've even had a reference to his sister since the first episode. I'll tell you what, this is not a negative. I completely forgot that was even a plot point, and they're not doing anything with it. So I almost wish if you weren't going to do any like, it's definitely season two stuff. But I don't feel like I don't know if it is season two stuff. I'll say I'll say I I, I there's a I have a feeling it might be season one finale stuff. Okay, okay, sure. And what I think it is is I think it's being reserved as his final push mm -hmm. whatever happened to her the empire did it sure 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 and i think that's gonna be whether i feel like it should be or not i do think that will be the push yeah that pushes him into the rebellion i if they obviously i i've loved the show like 10 out of 10 every episode so far so like i'm sure they'll do it justice it's just like that sister thing is like such an afterthought it feels like i hope i hope they can bring it in and make it make sense where I like wonder, it feel last minute i think i wonder if there's a Oh, real quickly, Sparks. I wonder if there's a level of we're we're anticipating a worse show, almost like like I, I I've I've kind of put this together. Like you know, you mentioning like Luthen being a Jedi or or what or whatnot. Like the idea that like I can't visualize that story. You you're and you're saying now is like you know there's a there. Uh, there's a world where you don't want to see the sister just drop the sister stuff or or how can it be resolved? Well, like. What we're watching here is a really good show. Why are we so resistant to certain things? Because all of a sudden we're all of a sudden think we're expecting like the worst outcome. Why aren't we expecting the best outcome? I find that fa so fascinating that we're we're almost kind of traumatized by Star Wars stories to be like, oh, this will be the one to break the best show. Well, no, I mean, I I do see what you're saying, and that is true. But I'm also just like this is the second mention of something that's about to become a major plot point. So for me, obviously, like. It's it's probably going to be good, but that doesn't mean I I, I shouldn't have this have this uh, I, feeling. You know, I I think I'm not that, saying uh, you should. I just find it fascinating. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Uh, I think um, the reason we're getting it, you know, in just brief mentions is like it, it because of what the show is. Like, there's not a good way to explore his sister stuff in the Aldani arc. There's not a good yeah. way to explore it in prison. Um, but I I think they are trying to keep it prescient on our minds because it is his catalyzing incident because mm -hmm. it is the thing he's doing when he kills those men. His first kills that leads to these events mm -hmm. <coughs> and i do think it will come back around in some way whether or not it is the thing that pushes him to the rebellion we will eventually get the payoff on that yeah um and i and i think they just know like it has to happen at the right moment in time 
of the story they're telling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I feel like that'll land correctly whenever it is placed. Word, word. Uh, I just, when when he when she said the line, oh, stop looking for your sister, I'm like, yeah, yeah. has he been looking for a sister? Like, that's just what I thought. Because, right. like, we've watched two arcs where he hasn't been looking for a sister. Well, no, because the, I mean. well, the first arc is him looking for her. Yeah, yeah. That's what starts the stuff. Yeah, and he and leaves, the brothel. And, the, and him leaving is him having to go do the job to get out. You know what? It's, it so has it is been, him coming back. It has been nine episodes. It's him so, coming yeah. back to Ferris yeah, yeah, yeah. in episode seven, and that's where she says, this whole thing started you had to leave the planet and get this money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you were looking for her. I forgot. Don't do that. Yeah. It's, it has been almost two months now since I since the first time. I remember, yeah, he went to the brothel looking for his sister. It's been, That's it has been a long yeah. time. So yeah, 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 no, it all tracks. You're right. No, we're all good. We just, I've had to sit two incredible arcs <coughs> that I completely forgot about the first episode. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'd be like that sometimes. Um, yeah, I just, I'm so pleased with how well they've crafted this show. Um, the prison being this place where like, yeah, you, you know, we're, we're not putting any walls up or anything. You better hop in that cell, though, because, like, you will be gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to sm be smelling him all night. Um, <laughs> What a line. <laughs> yeah, I, I I adore the show. I'm so happy it exists. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I have much ben, more to you've add. been silent for almost an hour. You want to say anything? I don't know what else I have to say other than I absolutely love this show. Mm -hmm. you, have a favorite, I, you have a favorite moment? Uh, one, two, three, go. Probably the one. Uh, I want to say when the one way out scene. Mm -hmm. I because that scene, that just that entire scene got me hyped. But also, even uh, uh, I want to say like Luthen's monologue to Lonnie, because when we see Lonnie, he's like the true imperial snitch. Essentially, he's the one on the inside, and he's feeding all this information to Luthen and uh, to get all this to get a rebellion going. And when Luthen's like, what have you said? What if I sacrificed? I sacrificed literally everything. And he's the way he says it. It's like, you feel the weight of his words. It's not him trying to be overly dramatic, not yeah, overly yeah. eccentric. It's like the way he, he says, the way he delivers it is like, no, he truly has sacrificed everything. Were you worried that Luthen was going to kill Lonnie at all? Did you have a feeling? I had a Hard feeling before, before like the speech started before, like, but like I, I had a, I had a tense feeling the entire time. I had it. You know what? I, if, if he did kill him, I wouldn't be surprised. Cause I thought he, there was a chance. There was a small sliver that Lonnie could have died. But the fact that Luthen keeps saying is like, no, I do think about you. I mean, I'm not just yeah. saying that to say it. I actually do think about you. I think you've been done a great job. And unfortunately, yeah, you've been alone. That sucks. But you gotta stay there. I feel like if 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 uh, Lonnie would have pushed harder, saying "I'm leaving no matter what," then L Luther probably would have killed him. Oh, totally. Because you can't have you can't have a snitch out in the room. Oh no, you can't. Um, because like Luther's that hard. But like I'm glad Lonnie, Lonnie on, unfortunately Lonnie's too weak to say no, and he mm -hmm. just has to go and be a, be a fascist again for the rebels. And I'm like, man, he, they're gonna get found out well, one day. You know, it's it's a rock and a hard place because neither side will protect him. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. When it when it comes down to it, like he he has to keep doing the job. Because neither side is going to save him. Ooh, um, another question. That scene when, hey, the, they found the dead pilot that we rigged. Everything's going according to plan. Lonnie's like, cool, we should investigate because that's what we would do. Deidre immediately leaves. Do you think she's suspicious of Lonnie or she's just mad that that he listened, that Pentagon listened to Lonnie? I want to say she's mad. I, I, I've heard people read it both ways. I thought she was mad. That's how I took it. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I think she's just mad, but like. She's really good at her job, and she's like, "Why would we be doing this, even though it's the right thing to do?" I, I just, I, I saw that read online. Just want to throw it out there. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think she's just frustrated that someone else made a suggestion that 
that was like yeah i, or, I or that made yeah. logical sense i agree because like, i don't think anyone's on the lawny yet at all what a what a brilliant villain deidre is it's not She's a i think so the thing good. is because it, it wasn't even weird for him to suggest it no he was he was making a suggestion that i my my read was that it's like she should have thought of it yeah no, um, I, I it is the thing you. that makes it because her whole thing is that it has to be convincing. Yes, he thought of a way to make it more convincing. Yeah, because yeah. it's not really, it's not really warning the rebels. No, it's it, not going to save them. It enough, is, it is maybe up. delaying when Krieger would get there with enough time for him to tell Luthen. Yeah, but it's not giving them the signal. It is a very clear like Pentagast is like that makes perfect sense. We should do exactly yeah, yeah. what we would do in any other scenario. I saw that <laughs> online. I just want to see uh, your thoughts on for it. sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right, Brandon. Deirdre is is a brilliant, brilliant. Uh, created character the punishment uh torture i want to go back to of the wailing yes. children um oh my god very effective clearly uh i wonder why they didn't use that on leia um <laughs> well they maybe they maybe they recently built the torture droids and were like this is better um i expected a torture droid and i was like are we gonna get a torture droid are we gonna see what they really do because whatever they do that doesn't work <laughs> it, was, it was the same exact shot from a new hope when when the the torture starts yeah the, yeah. the thing shuts and then the yes. feet move and yes. i'm like that's Star Wars. I yeah. really, I really liked um, seeing. I, I really like how they frame it because I was really, I was like, you know, they were talking about this this noise that the that the, these children that these children make when they're dying, uh, and we've and we've recorded that we made it our torture thing or whatever. Uh, I really, I was really like, oh, what's this going to sound like? And I really, really appreciate the creative decision to make it completely silent and just be on her reaction throughout the whole time. Sure, it's I, so much worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you're right. It's, it, it's exactly what I was about to say. It, it is so much worse. Yes, your imagination is scarier than anything about the screen. Could has be to be. Yeah. Has to be. And again, the acting, like, like unless that, unless the, the actor playing Bix, like, gives off that, ter- that, <coughs> that that horrifying scream, then, like, you don't know what's happening. But, like, she pulls it off, man, and I believe it. And then, like, afterwards, when she is, like, like drooling, like, like almost, like, looks like she's dying, and like, so, we're going to have a conversation now, Bix? You're in my head, Bix. Oh, oh, God. I love her, and I hate her. Oh, I'm so excited for the future. Oh. I'm, um, uh... One one last like f- like fun. The show is the show doesn't deserve uh, uh, doesn't need cameos or anything. But again, we I brought it up earlier. Like I think Thrawn, if if Andor were a three season show, man, Thrawn would be the perfect character because Thrawn's entire species gets killed by the Empire and then he joins them because he's smart and like he's fine with it. I'm like that that is so juicy and gross like it, Thrawn would thrive on a show like Andor mm-hmm. and like he's gonna show up on a lesser show no offense to wherever he shows up and I'm just like man so this good. is the show I want Thrawn to show up on god oh that's just a that's just a fun dream though I'd like to see Thrawn in this he, because we know what he's doing at this point because he's in Rebels like yeah. we, we can we can see a path where he he could intersect with Andor, maybe with Hera. Maybe Hera shows up next season and be like, hey, Cassian, why don't we go do a mission real quickly? And we're going to do all the political intrigue that's all that's so juicy, but it's going to be with Hera and Thrawn. It'll be it'll be the, the most intense episode of Rebels ever filmed. Right. <laughs> and we'll be here for it. Um, yeah. I, I do want to spotlight some notes. This is specifically from episode eight. Um, this is where we get a lot of the Mon Mothma discussion with some of the other senators and how they feel about the Empire, because this is when the Emperor is initiating the, initiating the public order degree. Uh, because this is in response to Aldani. Um, this is the thing meant to ramp up more protection. Uh, this is the thing that allows the prison sentence stuff to get out of control. And unlimited, um, like, listening. And, and they stuff, talk yeah. about how the Emperor wants surveillance and prosecution without limit. And then Mon Mothma challenging the other senators, like, do you feel under threat? 
what is enough protection. Um, just so good. Uh, it's this is uh, after nine eleven. The Patriot Act went into, <laughs> went into account, and that means they could surveillance and wiretap and do whatever you want for the for the safety of America. You know, sure, I, I get that. Hundred uh, percent, what the Empire is doing. We just had a terrorist attack. We're going to now listen in on every conversation that we are that we can without interruption. It's just what we get to do now. Thanks for thanks thanks rebels. If you're um, not doing anything wrong, you have nothing to fear. Oh my God. Talk about how when I was like 15 years old and I'm like, I'm not doing anything wrong. Listen to me all you want. Like, bro, give up my rights. Why don't I? Like, <laughs> God, that was such a beautiful, like, I'm not doing anything wrong. They can listen to me all you want. And like, you don't get it. You, you, you son of a bitch. I love yeah. it. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I think that all that, all that stuff is that you're seeing, like the way they feel about it, the way the law is getting passed in the Senate and how it will affect them. Uh, uh, I thought all of that was done really, or don't, really well. And then, you, and then you get to yeah. the people who are in the prison and when they get there, when Cassian gets there, like, what are they saying on the outside about this? What are they saying about the, oh God, they don't know. Nothing. Um, yeah. Um, question. How more of these do you have? Because I actually got to get going. Oh. Uh, I just want mm. to touch on that they did a great job de-aging Saw Gerrera. Yeah. Uh, when he shows up, they did a really great job. <coughs> We're getting every form of, of Saw before, like, look how slowly he's turning into a robot, man. And I, I like seeing, I like seeing, uh, I, I have that in my notes also, I really like seeing that pre, I like seeing pre-robot uh, Saw. Uh, I also, we get one really nice bit of lore background when we learn that um, Fiona Shaw's character was a past president, uh, mm. a daughter of Ferrix. Yeah. Um, and that they want to do things for her to protect her and move her somewhere else, but she refuses. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anything else? Those were in my notes that just, we didn't already talk about. Just, I'm not religious, but I'm hashtag blessed that this show gets to exist. <laughs> and we're, we, we're getting another 12 episodes. And then like, man, it's, Man, I'm gonna rewatching Rogue One in like two years is gonna be the greatest experience ever. I think I think even the original trilogy is gonna benefit from like this full scope of the rebellion, the rebellion and the Empire. Yeah. Um I think watching it again, like you're going to recontextualize so much of this as how we got here, this long path. I think that these films those films were already good, but just like the Clone Wars improves the prequels, this is going to even further improve the original trilogy. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, shall we let Ben go then? All right. Um, uh, okay, so that's Andor, guys. The Star Wars Andor. So um, stay tuned. I guess we'll be back after episode 12. So yes. two more episodes until the season is over, and then we'll discuss those final two episodes. And I hope they're just as good. No reason to think they're not going to be. Yeah, I'm excited. Yes. Um, cool. So stay tuned for that. As far as Fickner's watches goes, we were probably going to do Willow when that, mm -hmm. when that shows up. Um, we're all really, we're all pretty excited for Willow. So stay tuned for that series. Um, and by then, the time, by the time this is up, our last house of the dragon discussion has also come up on Fickner's watch. Hot D. There you go. Uh, so check that out. Um, and of course, like this video, subscribe to this channel. You can check out all sorts of shows on this channel, such as Basement Arcade. There are two new episodes of Basement Arcade that went up last week, by regards to when this is out. Um, you guys did Elden Ring stuff. We, we did. did. Hours and hours condensed into an hour and a half. Hell yeah. So check that out. Of course, there's also Basement Arcade Pause Mini, which is our video game discussion series. There is Animation Station and Fakner Book Club, which you can find on this channel, of course. And of course... There is the Fickner Podcast, the Mothership Show. All hail the Mothership Show, the Fickner Podcast. I don't know why I decided to go that route. But uh, you can check out that our latest episode that is up right now. You can check out 
uh, is what's the damn movie? Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we go live every Sunday, so check us out next week, this coming week, this coming Sunday, where we're talking about Slumberland. Mm -hmm. Slumberland. Uh, Jason, Jason Momoa. We're probably talking about Jason Momoa's new film Slumberland on Netflix. So check out that again. Like this video, subscribe to this channel. You want to check us out live on Sundays for the Victor <laughs> Podcast? Click the bell icon. You can do it. We know you can. We believe in you. Of course, we're on Fakner Podcast on all the social medias, fakenerguys at gmail.com. You can check out our T Public. You can check out our Patreon if you'd like to support us financially, all of which are linked below, or you can find them on our website at fakenerpodcast.com. I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for Kaiju Ramen, kaijuramenmedia.com. I also write for AtomicGeekdom.com. I also write for ScreenRant.com. Ben. You can find me on the internet at BenMagnet27, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can also find me writing for Old School Gamer Magazine, Fusion Gaming Magazine, and GoNintendo.com. Sparks. You can find me working for that one way out at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S-P-A-R-K-Z Witty. Ryan. You can find me trying my best not to simp for the world's greatest fascist, DJ Miro, <laughs> at DJ Tony Snark 616. All right, guys. Once again, like this video, subscribe to this channel. Until next time, I see us. Stay fake, nerds.